Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're doing our top 10 of 2016. Aaron, I thought that Jimmy Fallon was hosting the Golden Globes, not you. Jimmy Fallon doesn't have enough impressions in the world to be on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. <laughs> <laughs> Got him! Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi! Happy Golden Globes night! <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. That's uh, uh, that's worth celebrating. Did Jonah Hill win? I don't... Uh, all right. I think uh, so, for War Dogs, yeah. He was nominated, which surprised me so much. Uh, in case you can't tell, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I, <laughs> Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, uh, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other movie topics. But this is a special episode. Uh, we're not going to review any new movies this week, because why do that? Well, we can go over our top ten films of 2016. That is right. This is, this is episode... This is episode 270, 270. That's uh, the room. Uh, that's the Stanley Kubrick documentary, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Or, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Room 246. Um, and, no, yeah. That, that's. Uh, it's not an O, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we are going to be talking Sorry. our our top ten films of 2016. Always a fun show to do. One of our one of our like highlight shows of the year, I'd say, yeah, between this is. and the uh, the summer gambles and the Oscar stuff that we do. Like a lot of fun to happen. And um, so yeah, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be going over our top ten films of 2016, and not just Abe and I. We have guests with us too. We have from Fast Film Reviews, back from a hunt for Kubo in the La La Land. It's Mark Hoban. Hi everyone. And from Movies Marcus, now searching for Batman on the 13th Under the Moonlight, it's Marcus Robinson. Hello. I'll let you all absorb all that for a second. Okay, yeah. that's, that's done. Good evening, gentlemen. Yes, how are, how are you? you two doing? Fresh Very good. from Golden Globes. Oh, you're still wearing your tuxedo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It looks like great on you. I'm on the show. This is actually one of my favorites, the top tens. Well, yeah, I believe It's always why. interesting to hear folks' top tens, because uh, I'm glad that we have variations. Yeah, and uh, it's it's good to have Mark here. You're on here. Uh, I believe we've had you on every top ten show, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think you're. That's correct. Yeah, we like to keep up <laughs> that tradition. It's I guess. Tradition now. Yeah. You, you can't you can't go back. You have me. Yeah, you're. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Is 2016 when we start? 2011? Is this all right? So you're in the five timers like club of tw- you're the yeah. t- you're the five timers club of, of top ten episodes throughout now. So you get a jacket and like Steve Martin gets to like pat you on the back. Yeah, I was like, like are we gonna give him, are we gonna get him like a Saturday Night Live leather jacket? Yeah. And uh, Marcus Robinson, good to have you here. Glad to have you. I believe this is your first top ten show that you're participating this is in. My first one. I'm usually only in for like uh, the Jackie Robinson movies or. Uh... <laughs> what are you saying, Marcus? Well, we, I, well saying? It, we were going to do Hidden Figures this week, but we figured the top ten yeah, would be better. Yeah, but, I'll just, but I'll just keep Mark, Mark, Marcus on anyway, just to talk you round it out. Are we going to talk about Barry? Barry, the Netflix show. I'll come we back we spoke about it very briefly. Aaron mentioned Did it we? a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, he said it was a good. Doc- or it's not a documentary movie but yeah no we're glad to have you here um we're also gonna i'm going in we'll be editing this in later but i do have other uh frequent guests of the show they've also contributed so my top 10 recordings of their own so i'll be happy to you know get some more opinions on the the best films of 2016 in or at least their favorites 
And uh, but yeah, that's the uh, plan for this evening. Um, strap in. This is probably, as you can see on the time on your iTunes thing right there, probably says this is a lengthier show than normal. Uh, we'll be trying to keep it as concise as we can, but have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, yeah, sure. we're just gonna we're gonna go through these, but let's get to some uh, show notes stuff real quick here. Uh, just one thing mainly: iTunes reviews and ratings. If you like this show, if you're like Out Now is a pretty good show that I listen to maybe when I'm driving. If the other shows I listen to don't have new episodes out, well, that's a, that's good enough for us. If you want to log on, if you want to log on to iTunes, search Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can give us a star rating. That'd be cool. If you want to write a mini review or any kind of set of phrases you want to put in closely associated with our show in some way that's also great i mean you know by doing that that'll help uh give us some more notice in the old itunes charts pop us up there and the uh noteworthy movie tv podcasts that are out there that that's all good that's all great yeah here's a here's a warm hug from me to you as a thank you all right very very <laughs> cool so uh, without that out of the way let's uh quickly i have a pretty good general question here for no everybody let's uh let's do a little round of uh no everybody? no everybody. Hello everybody. Yes. <laughs> I introduced it differently because I wanted to go quick. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit strange this week, but I got you. It's a strange kind of show. Abe. This is true. Stranger <laughs> things indeed. What are your thoughts on 2016 in general as far as the movies go? There's a lot of thoughts on the year in general. Yeah, I was like, into. year in general? <laughs> I I, sorry. Let me, let, me, let me cap that can of worms I just almost opened there. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> well, but, uh, yeah. No. no <laughs> thoughts, thoughts on the uh, the year of film in general, guys? I, I think it was a, a great year for film. The part that I loved were a lot of the independent movies and a lot of the smaller pictures. I think as far as Hollywood and sort of big budget anticipated movies i think that's where it fell flat for me but i think it was still a great year for film and i think there's a lot of uh good things out there yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree well. with, I, I would agree with that i would agree with that I, I thought it was an interesting year for comic book movies with uh deadpool and, and batman versus superman and a lot of anticipated anticipation around uh suicide squad i thought it was an interesting year for for that yeah, in terms of the releases, I mean, we sort of touched upon it last week where there was pretty much a, a like a lot of good movies almost every month of the year. So uh, I can say that it was a, probably a pretty good year for movies last year. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously between the four of us, we see lots of movies within the year. I yeah. know I certainly see a, a ton of movies. Um, and, you know, looking at that, looking at it that way, it's rare that I look at it back at an entire year of film and think, well, that year sucked for movies like that doesn't tend to happen because there's. You know, I I have a top thirty of films that I really liked this year. Right. Um, but you know, the, yes, I I would agree that like the summer season, but in particular, as far as the kind of big summer movies, not as not as great as uh, certain summers have been. Uh, it, there's a lot of good stuff that happened, especially you know when it comes to the smaller films. So as far as like the blockbusters go, there seemed to be a more than usual amount of letdown um, when it came to some of the bigger blockbusters that we you know we had kind of anticipation for. But as far yeah, as independence for all right, independence uh, resurgence. Hey, hey, hey! Top ten spoilers here, guys. Let's, let's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I, I was just kind of my summer gamble number one. <laughs> What's interesting is also to see the like the top twenty movies in terms of box office and how many of those movies ended up in your you know top ten or top twenty. I it just personally, only two movies in the top twenty in box office ended up in my top twenty. That's interesting. 
Yeah. I mean, is I'm that still, a, I'm, is that a I'm, normal I'm, thing though? I'm still waiting on the the final numbers for Assassin's Creed guys, so let's <laughs> you know let's hold off on that. <laughs> but um, next week it's gonna make at least twenty million dollars. Actually, right? yeah, looking well, looking at looking at it that way, which I hadn't until just now. Yeah, only uh, <laughs> there's only one movie that made well, my uh, top ten so, from the yeah, top. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at last year's top twenty. I mean, they had things like uh, Mad Max. We had The mm-hmm. Revenant. We had uh, Inside Out. I, I love The Force Awakens. I mean, that was my own personal feeling. Um, this year, I, the box office was not representative of the things that I liked the most. So yeah, it definitely was different for me. Let's get to our top tens. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, so we're going to do that now. We're going to talk about our top tens of the year. And um, to do this, uh, for the, we're going we're gonna to do this a special way to kind of you know keep things moving. Um, basically, um, we're all about to list our top ten through six films. Um, of the year. We're going to quickly kind of go through that for each of us, and then after that, we're going to kind of have a bit of a discussion about what we have just listed off, and uh, then we'll move on from there with further instructions, because who doesn't like listening to instructions on a podcast to keep entertained? That is true. Yeah. I love listening to Ikea podcasts. The the Ikea podcast is terrific. (laughs) I love listening to it with subtitles. That makes no sense. Move on. (laughs) All right. Okay. Uh, so, okay, let's do this. Let's, uh, Let's get to our top 10 through sixes of the year, and let's start with Marcus Robinson. What's your top ten through six? Okay. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay, we'll start off with uh, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Number nine, Pop Star. Never, never stop. stop. Never stopping. stopping. Yeah, let's get that full <laughs> title in there. Full title, please. Gotta get the full title. In. Uh, <laughs> number eight, The Little Prince. Number seven, Moonlight. Uh, number six, Thirteen. All right, Mark Hoban. What are your ten through six? Uh, so at number ten, Nocturnal Animals. Number nine, Love and Friendship. Number eight, Everybody Wants Some. Number seven, Manchester by the Sea. And number six, Loving. All right. Nice. Abe? Uh, number 10, The Nice Guys. Number nine, Midnight Special. Eight, Hunt for the Wilder People. Seven, Captain Fantastic. And six, Don't Think Twice. All right. You got in Hunt for the Wilder People. It makes me so happy. Um, okay. <laughs> my, um, my 10 through 6, I have Midnight Special at number 10, The Lobster at number 9, The Fitz at number eight, The Kubo and the Two Strings at number seven, and Hell or High Water at number six. All right, so we just uh, listed all of those. That was a pretty diverse uh, 10 through six from all of us. Yeah, yeah so let's start. Let's start a little the... bit of overlap, but not much. <laughs> let's yeah. start at the place we all want to start. Number 10 on Marcus Robinson's list, Batman, Batman vs. Superman. Superman. Wait, I thought we were starting with Nocturnal Animals. <laughs> uh, okay. You want me to defend Batman vs Superman? I want to defend it. I just just want to hear your your thoughts on I, it. You know, you know, I know everybody's gonna say, you know, Marcus is a contrarian. You know, I I know I made it public that I don't really like Zack Snyder all that much, and this is, of course, this is the movie it's that opus. I like. <laughs> this is this is the Zack Snyder movie that I that I fell in love with. I I was really entertained throughout. I I I thought it did a lot of the things that. Marvel hasn't done yet. I, I thought it, it 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 took the collateral damage argument that everybody was having and made it something that was entertaining to watch. I had no problem with Lex Luthor having hair. I had no problem with some of the more contrived scenes, the Martha Martha scenes. I had no problem with that. Well, just to, to be on on your side, it is in the top ten box office. So I mean, it made it a lot of money. So people went this to go is see true. it. This is true. But all, all the all the reviews I saw were right, right. The really critical bad, really good. critical, yeah. really negative. And I, I just hear, 
I didn't understand it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It, it, it was I, number I have, 10. I have plenty to say as far as supporting you because, obviously, honestly, in retrospect, thinking of other DC movies that came out this year, there's only one. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, Spoiler alert. It's very, <laughs> it's very easy to defend the movie that has a clear artistic vision. And That's if, right. I mean, if you want to talk about you know what Marvel does versus what DC does, which I don't think necessarily needs to be the sole argument, but Batman vs Superman, for all its flaws, and I believe there are many, it is an, it is like an Artur's vision of what this movie could be. It is its own yeah. thing. It's crazy. It's weird. It has all, all the weird stuff that's in that movie. I don't dislike. I mean, you can talk about like the Lex Luthor choices, the Martha Martha. Like it's stuff that can come off as silly or whatnot, but it's also stuff that you remember the movie for. It has character, if you want to say something like that. Like, but the, these, the, these but, were the things that I was hearing that why why people hated it. I, yeah, well, yeah, because you know, people are people. They, you know, they thought you jump on <laughs> you jump onto one thing to hate as opposed to you know getting into a deeper discussion of why it's not a why one doesn't like this or didn't respond well to it. But like, I mean, the the convoluted plotting and stuff that's what gets to me. But like, as far as like seeing the effort put into something like this, it feels like a movie. Like, it's a, it, the cinematography is fantastic. Like, if, for one thing. Right. Like, I would mm -hmm. I would easily put this up there with, you know, some of the, you know, with, with the Deacons and other, as far as Larry, what Larry Fong's doing as far as shooting a movie like that. Yeah. But, and just to also add on to, uh, Marcus, to some to your point, there was a pretty interesting video essay about why all Marvel movies look the same versus DC. They're actually letting the directors kind of take these high contrast tones and high saturation film and, they, it looks different, like visually it looks different, even though I do have issues with Batman versus Superman. The Snyder I do ones agree. do. I mean, yeah, but the, I, the, I do the agree The mud-covered Suicide Squad doesn't exactly do much. <laughs> I want to – we need to move on because yeah, I was there's like, so much to do, and I can't but... keep right, talking right, right, about right, Batman right, right, Superman. Right. But, um, Mark, what do you want to say about Nocturnal Animals? Well, I, I think that Tom Ford is is really kind of an impressive director. I mean he did A Single Man, and I thought that was very good. I, I loved it a lot. And I think Nocturnal Animals even uh, ups his game. Um, it's it's even more a, a, a harder film to direct. Uh, he has these three timelines, basically. He's got the timeline of Amy Adams in the present uh, as this wife in a sort of unhappy marriage. She gets a, a book from an ex-husband uh, that he asks her to read. And then as she starts to read the book, we go into this story uh, that becomes another timeline. And then... Uh, in her present day, she also kind of thinks back to her past life with her ex-husband and, and the happiness that they share together. So these these three different timelines that I think he juggles really well. It could have been confusing, but but it's not. In fact, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal, it plays a part in the book. Um, they have Isla Fisher, who looks like Amy Adams, playing <laughs> a part in the book. I mean, it, it would be very easy to get confused, but... I think he does a really good job at handling this, and I think the way that you sort of learn about what went wrong in their marriage and then how that all plays out, and then even the ending, which I originally – as it happened, I was kind of like, what? But then as I thought about it, I actually thought it was better than what I was expecting, and I, it actually made more sense. And this movie is – it's one of these movies where I kind of thought about it for a while and uh, I after I had seen it, and it, it just got better in my mind. Um, so and it's and it's a gorgeously shot film. It is kind of a, a nasty movie. It, it, it's it's in fact there are movies like this that I watch and I hate them. So it's funny <laughs> that yeah. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this so much. But I really thought that this was a really interesting. I was I heard somebody once compare it to a Hitchcock movie, and I love Hitchcock. I don't really think it's like Hitchcock exactly, but but there are elements to the movie that are like him, and that's kind of probably what I liked about it. it it's sort of twisty, and, and uh, 
I, uh, I thought the performances were really good. And uh, apparently, Aaron Taylor Johnson won the Golden Globe for supporting yeah. actor, wow. which yes. which even kind of surprises me. I mean, he's. I like him as an actor. But I mean, he went. He's growing on me. Yeah, a lot of range. I, I actually thought the performance that I kind of was drawn to was uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon is terrific. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's the one that actually kind of stood out to me, and he, I, his part is is so perfectly written for him. I mean, it's it's almost like uh, Tom Ford, who also wrote the. Who actually adapted this book? Which I, it's amazing that he's able to do all these things. Um, uh, the part is is a perfectly written for him. It's tailored, and he's kind of this sheriff that kind of flies. You know, he does his own thing and doesn't really follow the rules. And that's if, sort of. If anything, I would say the Michael Shannon role over. It's more what you'd expect from Michael Shannon compared to Aaron Taylor Johnson's role, which is right. why I think it stands out a bit more because it's mm. just like. Why is this? Who is this horrible, nasty person? And it's like, oh, it's it's kick ass. That's, that's like. <laughs> like uh, but even I, in the movie, there are sort of ele- there's elements of comedy that are placed in it. I mean, most of the movie is kind of a, a dark tale, but he places these bits of comedy in it, and that a lot of it just kind of like hit, hit me just the right way. Um, I will say this about Nocturnal Animals because it's not. A, I I think it's fine. It, it didn't win me over in the way it won you over, but I would say it. As opposed to Hitchcock, it's very—it has a lot of Lynchian qualities to it. The thing is, I'm not a big David Lynch fan, <laughs> so I, that I think already paved the way for me not to be as taken in by what's going on in it. But I will—I do appreciate the the the, 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 style, the, the style for sure. It's hard to—it's hard to look at that movie and be like, well, that sucked as far as visuals. Like that wouldn't be a mm. thing that someone would say. But yeah, it's—it it is a, a very visually engaging film, and I do think there are there are some really strong performances in there. I'd agree for sure. I wanted Ooh. to talk about a movie. Uh, yes. Before we get carried away here, um, and I I kind of want to talk about how it's how it seems impossible for me to have put six other films in front of Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, but I know it's it's a shame really. But I will say that the Fits, uh, my number eight, is a terrific movie that I was happy mm-hmm. to get in before um, you know making up all these lists. And I want I told this I said this to you, Abe. Um, yeah, I remember the, the the Fits, much like the film Ida from a few years ago that won a Best Foreign Film. Which yep. I was happy to champion on the podcast many times, saying it's just 80 minutes. Go on Netflix right away and watch it because it's 80 minutes. That can't take up too much of your time, and it's really good. <laughs> the Fitz is 75 minutes, guys. <laughs> the Fitz is 75 with and credits. It's on Amazon Prime streaming. With, with credits, it's Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime streaming, and I thought wow. this film was terrific. It, it. I mean, I. I don't even want to get into like the plot of it too much because I didn't know anything. I. I knew at most that it was about this This like 11 year old girl. She's like a tomboy, and she like does boxing with her brother. And she mm-hmm. tries to get into like this, uh, this uh, into like a dance group, and that's all I knew going in. But just and it's not and, like I'm saying it as if like man, cra- you know, she becomes a crime fighter. Like I'm saying like crazy things. It's not like it's, what? It's not like it goes wild. This as far becomes as, like, super. I, I'm not, yeah, it's not like it goes wild with like where the story goes. But right. I, I was very intrigued by what was happening with it. And there's there's some clear metaphors going on here. But I think just the kind of the mood and the you know the atmosphere, which is basically the same word. Uh, but like I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on with the filmmaking and how it kind of commits to a story like this and what it kind of does with the you know what with the emotions going on around this uh, the lead character the lead the lead girl uh, royalty hightower who's like what, yeah, like i said 11 years old uh, she's really good she's really strong for what i assume is a debut performance um and just the i think the direction is very is very strong uh, it's another uh, debut director um uh, anna rose homer and uh, there's an ending to this movie that really worked for me. Like it has a, a kind of a, a grand ending of kind of how it wraps everything up. 
and I just it's weird being so vague about this being saying things like this, but I, I think that the fits is a, like because I've watched it a couple times now, and it's like this I'm already just, convinced. You, I, I I know you you told me about this to see it, and I have yet to see it still, but I, I I'm it's very high on my to see list. So. It's the kind of film where because I know um, Under the Skin was like a film that a lot of people like really championed a couple years ago. Mark, I believe it was on your top ten list, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, Under the Skin was my yeah. number one. Was it yeah. number one? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, and it's like, it's not, you know, it's not like that, but I think in terms of kind of the... Well, you mentioned the, Enemy also. Yeah, Enemy I also. Mean, yeah, Enemy is another one. Uh, the Dennis, the Denny Villanueva film uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and I, I thought, because they, they both have the same composer, and so like the score of these movies, it's very no. it's very unique, and it and it helps yeah. build into that atmosphere I'm talking about, where it, it's... Also, it, the... The star's name is Royalty Hightower. Mm-hmm. How can you not see a film starring somebody <laughs> with that name? That is like true. an amazing name. <laughs> but yeah, it's see that right now. It's a it's a strong film for sure, and it's one that I certainly want to highlight because it's you know there's a lot, a lot of films on these lists you've, you've either seen or you know it's not you know about it already. But the fence is like no one knows about this movie besides the people that already you know saw it and put it on their like critics list or what have you. So I was I was very happy to catch up with it for sure. Glad to hear that. All right. Uh, I'm now here with uh, Michael Lee from Geeks of Doom, and uh, hey, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Uh, we're going over our top tens of 2016 here, so I wanted you to uh, to list out yours if you want to go for it. All right, sure. At number ten, it's a uh, Monster Calls. At number nine, it's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. At uh, number eight, it's Sing Street. Uh, at number seven, it's Jackie. It's number six, Zootopia. Number five, Arrival. Number four, Hunt for the Wilder People. Number three, The 13th. Number two, Moonlight. And at number one, it's La La Land. All right. What, uh, you have any, have any words to share about your number one pick? Uh, well, uh, as we discussed on the podcast, um, if your listeners may know, I just love how it's just a love letter to the city of L.A. where I practically, you know, live right by, you know, because since I live in Orange County, but it's just so beautiful and um the music it's it's a perfect pairing so i just can't imagine a better movie being at number one mike thank thank you very much for uh, sharing your top 10 with us thank you for allowing me to share it with you Dave, you want to highlight anything before we uh... yeah yeah. just highlighting uh don't take twice which was uh, oh yeah yeah. really well done movie by mike perbiglia i think it's like his second or third second second film yeah and what i liked about it was that it was uh what I like about a lot of movies that are on my list are some of them are just true to life. And this is about a group of uh, folks who are in improv together and they just, some of them get a big break writing for an SNL type movie or type show and just how life moves on differently for those folks. And what I liked about it a lot is I listened to a lot of podcasts from uh, a lot of these comedians that uh, Michael Brigley is friends with. And they were just like, this is, this is my life. Like, for example, like Judd Apatow and Adam Sandler, their roommates, and they both submitted, and Adam got it and Judd didn't. And Judd was like, this is my life, and I thought that my life was over. Um, and then he just went to directing and, and writing. And he still does comedy from time to time. But So it was really interesting to hear that from a lot of comedians um, and then to see this movie play out. And and uh, just I, I really liked the, the characters, and I really liked the way that the uh, they all had their own urges and their own desires but they all kind of uh, were in the same spot. And um, a shout out to Gillian Jacobs, who I think she's great uh, in the movie. Was very good that, in the movie. I think yeah. I think she's the highlight role in that movie. Like I, think. I, agree, I would agree. She like, and then uh, second place is Keegan Michael Key. Keegan, yeah, like uh, Keegan, you think it kind of starts out that way as far as like who you're gonna like kind of be the most interested in. But I think Gillian, Gillian Jacobs kind of really 
and you know I know her from Community and like a few minor movie Small roles here and there. Indie, indie movies, yeah. But, you know, a fan favorite, uh, Burt Wonderstone. She's in that for a bit. Um, but um, <laughs> I forgot. But but yeah, no, I, 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 but I, yeah, she gives a really strong, like, dramatic I, I, performance within this comedy. Yeah, it's, it's very strong and dramatic. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of humor mixed in with some some sadness but uh, i just like the way that uh, uh that it felt fairly real um so yeah for sure. get on them i want to i want to put because it, it is a good film and I, I was really happy to catch up with it too and it's i like that berbiglia doesn't you know going into it i was thinking okay this would be like berbiglia and all these people but it's really right. a, it's a great ensemble movie you really yeah. uh, you get what's it chris gether kate mccucci uh as we said keeping up Pika michael key and uh, gillian right. jacobs the and the I forget the um the rich, uh, the, the rich character I can't think of her name yeah um I, her name okay. is uh Tammy Sager or okay. something like that but it's like you get you get a good glimpse at all, what all of these characters are going through like it's not a right. it's not one where any one person stands out higher than the rest at least as far as kind of how the story handles them for the most part and I, I was really you know I was really intrigued to see something like that because I I've seen a lot of improv shows and what have you it's neat to see kind of the a fiction, a fictionalization of what the behind-the-scenes look at that kind of troupe is, and I, right. I found that was quite interesting. Yeah. So there you go. I'm also glad we both have Midnight Special on our list. I feel like I'm not going to yeah. see that movie hurt again, <laughs> so I just want to point that out as well. <laughs> we, you should listen to our episode. It was, it was a good episode with yeah. uh, Jimmy O. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was yeah with Jimmy O. Yeah, right. uh, Abe, you also had uh, Captain Fantastic, and that was I really did. a good movie. I, yeah. I, I didn't. I, it didn't make. It didn't actually. It's not going to show up in my honorable mentions either. But I, I did. That I was. If I could force it, I would have because I thought right. uh, Viggo Mortensen was really good in that, and I liked the way that the movie wasn't. It, it, the point of view is sort of interesting. You you kind of wonder like, well, is it going to be promoting this guy or is he going to be kind of like a negative portrait? And it's sort of it's both. It, it, he he's good. He's a flawed character. You know, he's raising his kids the best way he knows how. And some of that's working for him, and some of it's not. And I think they do a good job of portraying all that. Yeah, I, I brought it up on uh, our last episode, last um, but very strong two thirds of it. Like the first two thirds, I was just like, "This is probably one of the best movies of the year." Kind of fell off a little bit, but the movie caught me at a right time. Um, I caught it after the theaters, but um, I still liked it very, uh, very much. So uh, yeah, shout I, out to Catherine Hunt as well. She's she's very good in the movie as well. The, um, I think Steve Zahn's also pretty good too. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, in, in a limited role. Yeah. I, I just, you know, it's always nice to see Steve role, Steve Zahn. I, I always love seeing Steve. I actually was hoping he'd have more of a role, but I, lo- I love seeing Steve Zahn. But I, I know exactly what you're saying as far as like kind of two thirds, like one of the best movies of the year. And I was kind, of, I was there too when I saw it. I was like, this movie's fantastic. Like, what could go wrong? <laughs> I said, yeah, and if, I said out loud to disturb people around me. <laughs> you said it out loud. Yeah. It ends strong, but uh, yeah, there's like a little bit in the in that last third that's like, well, there's some unresolved questions that I have. Yeah, but but I because it, it it did make my we'll get to honorable mentions, but I would sure you know it did get in there. I was very because I. I really like Viggo Bortensen. I am happy to see anything that he stars in. I think he's a terrific actor. So it's like, well, yeah. great. Yeah. You know, and especially when, you know, he does a variety of different roles. So this is like, you know, this is ostensibly a comedy, if you want to call it that. So it's, you know, it's like, oh, that's fun. Like, he's he's comedy, doing but he's doing this tinged thing. with drama. For sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Or drama tinged well, with comedy. Dun, dun, dun. However you wish. Red Loving. Uh, oh, I, I, I had Mark, Loving. Mark had Loving, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I didn't like it as as much as I guess everybody did. What do you do? You think it could have been better? Is there a? I'm not. I guess I'm not a huge fan of Jeff Nichols or anything like that. But 
I mean, I have it at number six. Six? It? So I don't think it could be better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, okay, well, well the thing... was, there, was there something that I was missing? It it seems like it's one of those movies where it's a better subject than it is an actual movie. Well, so you think, when you think of a story, there's yes. a way to present it, and in this case, I thought that they were going to do this sort of courtroom drama about uh-huh. how the, you know, the thing was at- attacked in the courtroom, and, 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 and it wasn't that at all, and in fact, I was so blown away by how they approached this subject. And it was just essentially a love story. I mean, that's basically what this is. And it was two people who were the least revolutionary types you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's they were just two people that wanted to be in love and they just they didn't they don't want to change the world. They just wanted to love each other. I'm going to build you a house. Right here. Our house. Nailed it. Yes? Would you marry me? And so, I mean, it, I thought it was a really powerful film, and the way that their simple act changed the fabric of a nation, I thought was really powerful. And the way the movie presented that was so good so yeah i just i mean and joel edgerton and ruth nega two of the greatest performances of the entire year and i will even mark place those against even my top five i mean i mean wow. at least equal to the movies i put in my top right. five because mm-hmm. I, I i i agree with that I, I i just had an issue with how it was told it was almost like it stood too. the director almost stood too far back from the story and kind of Focused it's a quiet on film. It's definitely. It is a, a very. Film. It's a it's, very quiet film. When I thought it should that, have been more of a loud, a loud film. Well, Marcus, when I, that, when I when you say that, that that sounds to me like a move. You know, a movie you'd expect that sounds very Oscar baby. Honestly, where it's like, here's the movie about the couple that that changed that that changed laws. So you, yeah, right. it's a movie that for me it doesn't scream Oscars. Like I'm I'm happy it gets the praise that it does and gets the recognition that it does. But I I like that it. That Jeff Nichols style, which is you know being a master of understatement, I, I think that really does well to apply to a movie like this, where you have characters that in real life weren't you know shouting about uh, civil rights and everything. They're just people that, like Mark, you just, you just said they want to just be in love, and like if it happens to have this kind of you know out outerly effect that, that manages to change rules but, of a nation, like okay, like I can be be happy about that as well. With, with that, don't you run the risk of losing? Impact. I get. I no, 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 I, I get the the story is powerful, mm-hmm. but you know, if, if with the delivery been... is so is so soft, don't you lose that? You 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 run the risk of losing a little bit of people. And I, I was kind of, I I kind of was like, I know, I've seen enough films where where people that's my get thought on too, a, yeah. you know, yeah, they 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 get into a courtroom and they stand up and they give a right. big speech and everyone cheers. I, I've seen that and I, I've seen <laughs> it done well. But yeah. this this kind of changed, you know, the the way that they could present something like this. Uh, I I I've just I think Jeff Nichols. I mean, he's a he's a great director, and I would and agree. We're yes. we're only going to be seeing great things from him, I think. I mean, yeah. Abe and I both have his other film from the same yeah. year. Yeah, top I, like, I like that film too. That didn't make my top ten, but uh, right. that's that was a very enjoyable film as well. Yeah. See, I like that film. I thought that film was. I thought it had more more. He he had more hands on. It was it was more. I don't know. Personal? There was something maybe. I don't know because this one is like this should – I went in there. Right. My new wife, 
she's white, I'm black. I expected to to be moved, and I kind of wasn't. And I had to remind myself that this is the mo- this is why I went to go see this movie. And maybe it, my expectations were way into kind of left field, but I was kind of underwhelmed. I can see where uh-huh. that comes from. I because I, I, sure. I, I can understand that reaction, and I, like I can. I, I was I was I was yeah, I was somewhat Edgerton like you is... mentioned you mentioned the courtroom drama like what it could have been kind of thing and I was a little surprised that yeah it didn't kind of go that route as far as being more traditionalist in its filmmaking style not that it's like bad or good to you know do either way but it's just as far as how the movie decided to approach showing certain aspects of the story and I I was surprised by what it didn't try to do but I was very intrigued by what it did manage to do which is put a put a lot of emphasis on these lead characters and, and, and that, put a lot the, put a lot of emphasis on how you know on on the quietness of that relationship I'm, and how now and, and i'm not they, saying anything about the performances because yeah, no, i no. agree with mark they're they're fantastic mm-hmm. the further i got away from this the better i thought those performances were. as i often say jeff, with... jeff nichols <laughs> i'm a big fan of jeff nichols and i think michael shannon and take shelter in particular is one of my favorite performances right. of, all, of all time i think he can get, so he can like... get performances out of people <laughs> that really resonate and I, I mean, <laughs> there's other actors I think have had very terrific years, but I think Joel Edgerton certainly in the running for one of the best acting, you know, pieces of work this you know, between this and Midnight Special. He's just and just the he certainly works well with Nichols as far as the kind of getting the style that he goes for as far as understatement and what have like he reaches quite well for that. But yeah, as far as the the movie as a whole, which did make my honorable mentions as well, I, I did like loving quite a bit. I, I can I see where that argue where that not argument, but I can see where that kind of that thought process comes from as far as there's a way to tell the story that kind of hits the, the themes and the messages a little bit, you know, like harder um, where this movie resists in a sense. Um, But that's what I liked about it. I liked that. It was sort of a little, it was done in kind of a minor key and, and I thought it was more powerful because of it. We want to do anything else as far as talking about these, uh, I feel like our, our, uh, five through one can have a lot of, uh, interesting discussion. So, well, then we should move on. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's get to our number fives. So now, as I said, because um, this is the instruction part you were all really waiting for. Um, <laughs> after Now we've sped through our 10 through 6, kind of. I mean, we had extended discussions about some of the films. Uh, but now we're each going to individually list our fives and then fours and so on, just like a traditional top 10 type show yeah. would go. Um, so let's start with Marcus Robinson. What is your number five film of the no, year? My, my... And number five was the Nat Turner movie, Birth of a Nation, a movie that was damned before it even hit the theaters. As far as the movie's concerned, it has a little bit of pacing problems and everything in the first act, but when it hits, it hits hard. And I mean, what Nate Parker's done is he's made the Spike Lee movie that Spike Lee hasn't been able to make in the past decade. He's made one of the most powerful slavery movies that I've seen in you know the past decade especially with that final sequence which kind of almost brought me to tears this is maybe this is the hard-hitting movie that that i wanted to see maybe this is the this is the impact when i go to see a slavery movie i wanted to just to get kind of punched in the gut a little bit i think the further i got away from this movie the more i appreciated this movie the more and i know it's really controversial there's a lot of controversy around it but the more that i thought that that this should be something that students should watch along with like glory or roots or whatever they're, they're watching in middle school. I was a fan too, school. Marcus. I, I, I liked yes, it. I, re- I, was, I, remember, I liked this yes. movie as well. 
I think that there was a lot of uh, a lot of positives to take away from it. I, I mentioned it in my my brief review because I, I was away at the time. But um, there's a lot of interesting directorial takes, and one that I'll mention is um, kind of like those flashback sequences where Nate Parker is all in powdered white, and it's like that's a really interesting take. And and then also the the angel sequence toward the end. I was like those yeah. are those are like directorial uh, debut director takes that I, I I like. You know those those uh, strong. Um, images that you're trying to show to the, an audience where yeah, I don't really see those much anymore, but uh, I liked it as a whole. Um, like, there are parts of it that I didn't enjoy, but you know, mixed together with stuff outside, it's like, I don't know. It does get a little bit controversial. Like what you mentioned in my hand, I'm literally holding the Blu-ray review copy of birth of a nation that I got in the mail on Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I, I, so I, I, I watched all the special features that come with it uh, a couple days ago. And it is, I do. It is a shame that, Sins of the past kind of got dug up and put out in the open, even though they're technically already out they're, in the open. They just got more of a... egregious, though. I mean, to a point. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, what I'm saying, though, I mean, yeah. if, as far as things a person could have been, was, what have you, there's a lot of insightful stuff that he says about the topic he's addressing in his film, as, as opposed <laughs> to, you know, what, what whatever's going on in his own life what he's trying to do with the film and what the message of the film is and what he's saying and what the what's going on in the world that I think it's there's there's some really interesting stuff that he kind of describes talks about and discusses that the film is trying to you know attempting to attack as well and I I do think that that is there in the you know his cinematic vision um and while it's a tricky situation to kind of talk about you know Nate Parker and whatever else has gone on in his life, what he did here with this movie and, you know, the many people involved in making this movie, I think there's some really challenging stuff in there that somewhat got overshadowed because of all the other things that happened. I totally agree. The, 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 the flaws that I saw in the, in, in the first act with the pacing, I, I forgave those once this film started going and the further I got away from it and, and uh, the, the, the importance that I saw out of the entire, the, the collective of this movie. Okay, so that's Birth of a Nation for Marcus at number uh, five here. Mark Hoban, what is your number five? So uh, my number five film was Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, and this was the uh, New Zealand film um, from Taika Waititi uh, about a little boy and his adoptive father. Uh, and he goes out into the uh, the world and, and the father has to go after him. And it's kind of a road movie in, in a sense and sort of an odd couple pairing. And I just thought this film was wonderful it's it's sweet and it's it, it they've the two uh, uh sam neil and uh, julian dennison is the little boy they have great chemistry together i think it's it's well written um I, I think their little interactions are really enjoyable and uh i i just love this film it was sort of a surprise i, I didn't expect a whole lot from it and i'm not sure why because uh the director had also done uh, what we do in the shadows which i also right. enjoyed um, so he's 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 on a roll for me, but uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I, it reminded me a little bit of a Wes Anderson film in the way it's kind of cute, but it's cute in a way that I think is is not annoying. I, I think it's it's uh, it's honest, and uh, I think the the little child uh, uh, Julian Dennison. I mean he's like twelve. Uh, he um, is very charming, and he has a nice uh, delivery. Uh, he, he was probably my, my favorite. You know, Sam Neill is a is a veteran actor, and I think uh, the child kind of stole the movie from him, and which happens often in in, in 
parts played by kids, but I, he, he definitely did a good job. I, I really enjoyed this film. It, it's really lovely. Um, it didn't make a lot of money, but it did get a lot of acclaim. So It is the highest grossing film in New Zealand history. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I will say that. Oh, yes, it, it did. Yeah. yeah, it did great in New Zealand because they really like Taika Waititi. That's where that's where uh, Taika Waititi is from. Yeah. yeah. Well, to that I say the New Zealanders know their stuff. This is yeah. the film that makes me look forward to Thor Ragnarok. I, I, I know. Yes. It is. Yeah. It is the one of my anticipated the, movies. It is the Marvel film I am most looking forward to this year over Spider Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. Like Thor Ragnarok seems to have everything going for it right now. So. Right. Um. And we'll we'll hear more about that. For We're going to hear more about <laughs> but, it. Yeah. yeah but, uh, Abe, what is your number five film? Just want to preface that my my five through one, literally photo finish, so fractions of an inch off or fractions I'm, of a millimeter off. I'm very uh, similar. I'm very similar. Yeah. That, right? So yeah. number five is Moonlight, um, and I'm sure we're going to discuss it later as well. But just in brief, um, this is a movie that uh, you don't see a lot of stories being told about young urban folks, young urban black folks that are growing up with uh, sexuality questions and what I loved about this is kind of like what I liked about Boyhood, not that they're the similar or not that they're the same, but just that it's a movie about kids growing up. There's nothing that's crazy dramatic that happens. It's not as though there's no like shootouts or there's no uh, they're not going to go to the woods and get hurt because they're playing with giant razor blades like in Boyhood. Um, it's just a movie about this kid growing up and having questions about uh, who he is as a person. Uh, Mark, you and I talked about this, but there was a table scene with uh, – Mahershala, Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, yeah, Ali, and I, I love that scene, and uh, it's uh, fantastically acted, but it's so low key, but it's, uh, it's well told. So uh, I'm sure we're gonna talk about it later as well. It's amazing how you know the movie's so unassuming, but I think it has some of the best cinematography of the year. Like it's such a, yeah, it's a well, from a filmmaker standpoint, there's so there's so much going on visually that seems. It's it's hard it's somewhat hard to register the fact that you're seeing such a, a greatly constructed movie given how little is going how little is going on. <laughs> um, you mean like, Shadow from a yes black um, <laughs> from a um, from a kind of a, a plot standpoint, and that's right. not the, you know, that that's not to diminish you know what's going on in the story exactly because again we'll get to this more in discussion as we go right. on. But I, I do yeah. th- I just wanted to point out specifically I think you know the. In addition to the many other films that I think have great cinematography, Hunt for the Wilder People included, by the way, um, there, it is one that kind of deserves that accolade just as much as some of the more overtly well-shot films. Yeah. Uh, my number five, speaking of overtly well-shot films, is La La Land. Hey, <clears throat> Bill, thanks for having me back. You're welcome. I want you to know you're looking at a new man. Good. man that's happy to be here. Excellent. Very easy to work with, man. Okay. And you're going to play the set list. Happy to. Even though I don't think anyone cares what I play, but yeah. yeah. Well, if by anyone you mean anyone other than me, that would be correct. I care, and I don't want to hear the free jazz. Right. Okay. Although I, I, I thought in this town it worked on a sort of one for you, one for me type system. How about two for you, one for me? How about all for you and none for me? That's perfect. Yes. Great. Okay. Okay. Mutual decision then. Right. Made made by me. Right. And I sign off on it. So. Whatever. Tell yourself what you want to know. Well, welcome back. There's a nice way to say that, Karen. I haven't heard of it. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> a, it's about this crew in Colorado, and they go mining. It's uh, no. Uh, it, <laughs> My Blade oh. of Valentine Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Um, but no, I I I really like La La Land. Yep. I've seen it with my lovely girlfriend a couple times now. I think it has. 
a fantastic score that I cannot stop listening to. Uh, the <laughs> There's a lot of things I think I could praise, but I, I think the thing I want to get kind of get into is that the you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk right now about how the film could have been different so and quote unquote better were you to have kind of you know real singers and dancers performing these you know kind of songs and dances numbers and what have you and what I think the movie what I what I think part of the movie does to kind of get the story right is by purposely having actors that aren't you know world class dancers and singers I think it kind of reflects a level of reality that this otherwise fantastical film you know doesn't really quite get you know have like there's there's a whole story going on here about you know whether or not to follow one's dreams and the cost of that and what have you and i think by having actors that you know they're not perfect in what they do and even in their philosophies are not exactly perfect i mean we talk about like you talk about ryan gosling and you know his devotion to jazz and what's making how his character is being held back because of a certain you know his certain devotion or what have you i think by having having him be a person that's not that you know an amazing dancer or singer along with emma stone who's you know she's the better of the two i would say as far as that field goes but she's also not perfect as far as in that regard i think having characters like that featured in this story, you know actors of those abilities like that featured in the story i think it really reflects well on what story is being told here and in addition to being this kind of grand homage to 50s musicals and what have you among the many other kinds of things it goes to reference I think by having it, it, it's grounded by having these these what I call very solid performances as far as the acting goes. I think it it grounds the film more in a level of reality that you know you need to go along with things like the planetarian scene and what have you. Like I think there's a lot going on there that is worth you know is is worth delving into more when I yeah. go back to think about La La Land. In addition to just the greatness that comes from the the choreography and the nature of the music and the, regardless of how well performed they are, the songs which I do really like. So uh, yeah, La La Land is my uh, number five. I would also direct people to listen to our, our you and Anna talk about it and also uh, our in-depth spoiler section from last week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One thing I'm just going to add to what you just said, because mm-hmm. I, I said something very similar in my review. Uh, I, I To agree with you, um, I think that when they burst into song, because they're sort of more, they're they're not as polished and, and the, it, it almost becomes more natural, like, like, mm-hmm. a, like, you know, like a human and their outpouring of their passion for each other seems more real. So the love story then is even helped by the fact that they're sort of like regular people. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's fine that they're not, you know, Gene Kelly or, you know, Judy Garland up there on the screen. They're, they're, you know, people who don't have that ability but I mean, they're still good, though. I mean, the songs are. Still oh yeah, enjoyable. for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I think Super catchy. I think some people are overstating like how terrible they are at singing and dancing. Like I think they're pretty good at singing and dancing. I think the songs are pretty right. good. I have no problem with them sing talking. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I will say, you know, the songs are only rivaled by another entry that I failed to get more into: "Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping," which I do think is also <laughs> DJ Tanner. I, See, I think that's an. I bought both of those albums. <laughs> I, I I did too. Um, humble has not been off my mind since you know exactly. June. <laughs> I've been trying to perfect the donkey roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now I'm here with Alan Aguilera, long time uh, out now, out now, out now guest, out now friend of the show. Right? I would, I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's gonna share with us his uh, top ten of 2016. So why don't you go for it? All right. I know I haven't been on the show that much this year, but I'm 
planning on doing that later. So uh, my top ten this year is going to be number ten, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Number nine is Captain America, colon, Civil War. Number eight is La La Land. Number seven, Arrival. Number six, Witch. Number five, Star uh, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Number four, Hell or High Water. Number three, The Nice Guys. Number two, Moonlight. And my favorite movie of the year is Sing Street. I happened upon it once randomly from a friend of mine who was like, oh, you should, you should watch this. I'm like, I don't know, man. Tyler sounds kind of dumb. And uh, I fell in love with it the second the second I started watching it. Uh, there are moments in it where you li- I literally stood up in my couch, like in my living room from my couch and fist pumped. And I've never been so enthused and enamored with a film. It's just I think even with La La Land coming out, I think Sing Street is the best musical film of the year. And I, to me, it was my favorite movie of the year because I've I've never been that happy watching a movie and being that elated and getting that invested in all the random characters than I did in Sing Street. So. Favorite movie of the year. Well, great, Alan. Thank you very much. Let's right. get to our number fours now, guys. Marcus, what is your number four film? Uh, my number four film is a film called King Jack, which I don't know that a whole lot of people saw. I didn't. I I saw it on VOD. This is the sequel uh, to King about, Ralph, right? Okay. I'm yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's um, it's about a loner kid in an impoverished neighborhood. He's he's bullied, but he's forced to to uh, he gets a visit from his younger, more impressionable cousin. He's fifteen. The cousin's twelve. And he's forced to hang out with them for a weekend. And I'm kind of a sucker for these kind of simplistic plots with complex performances and themes and show a real-life version, an unfiltered version of how kids act, how kids act in certain situations, how kids act around each other. Um, I think sometimes a lot of these coming-of-age movies pull a lot of punches and they shy away from more of the bullying and the harsher bullying and public humiliation aspect of of growing up as a, a latchkey kid in, in, in an impoverished area. Mm-hmm. Um, but this really hits hard. And for a film where I wasn't, I didn't go and inspect much. Um, I think this is my favorite look at the depiction of a, of a male adolescent um, that I saw. I, it's a it just edged out moonlight, but this is, this, this is my, this was my pick. Mm. Where did you see this movie? On VOD. I saw it on uh, iTunes. Okay. But I think it quickly, right after, it quickly went to Netflix, so it's streaming on Netflix. Yeah, I remember that you brought it up uh, in one of our episodes that you were on, and um, you still enjoyed it then. So uh, it's been on my mind ever since, actually. Let me add this to Q right now. I'd have to go way, way back to think about another adolescent film that Marcus didn't like, but um, let me... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. King Jack. Okay. Yeah. There it is on Netflix. Added to Q. It's a, it's an hour. To, geez. Okay. See. see it's it another is, short one. Marcus, here it is right now. I'll watch King Jack. Hour twenty minutes. You watch the Fitz, and we'll both be happy. It'll be great. There we go. I have the <laughs> okay. Fitz uh, on my iTunes. Okay. Mark Hoban, what is your number four film? So my number four film was my favorite animated film of the year, and that's Zootopia. Uh, I saw this in the beginning of the year, and uh, I kind of thought like oh my gosh this is such an amazing film and i i actually kind of i i gave it four and a half stars i might have even been able to give it five um because it kind of stuck with me and then it 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 went to netflix and i watched it again um and i and i i loved it just as much again i i I think it's 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 an enjoyable movie i mean just on the surface and i think it's 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 got a lot going on and it's fun and entertaining 
but it also, I think it, it, it hits a point that I think is, is kind of deep and it does it in kind of a, a fun way. I mean, I don't think it's, it's hitting you over the head with this, this, uh, thing that they're trying to say in the film, but I, I thought it was really, uh, enjoyable. I liked the, the, the characters and, um, uh, it's just, it's something that really stuck with me. I like, there are other, and there quite, this was quite a, I mean, for this to be my favorite animated film is, is pretty great because I, I saw several this year that I, I really enjoy it a lot. Um, I thought this was a really good year for animation. Um, but Zootopia, I think, uh, I give it the edge, uh, because I think it, it had a lot more going on, um, to it. And, uh, I think it's, it's, you know, it's a Disney film, uh, and, it's different. I mean, it's, it's, it's Disney, but it's, it's not the sort of, I mean, it's not a princess story, which, and there's nothing wrong with that. I loved Moana a lot. Right. Um, but, uh, this was a little bit different. And I think because of that difference, that's why I gave it the edge. This, the second, I was already liking Zootopia as it started, but I think that the second, um, Jennifer Goodwin's, uh, Judy hops, um, comes into the police office, uh, the first day and the, um, the the reception the ti- uh, tiger uh, reception like <laughs> calls her calls her cute and then she's like you know other bunnies can call bunnies cute but when other people do it like that part's like <laughs> oh this movie's going that route this is great that, <laughs> this is you got to talk wonderful. about the uh, the DMV scene that scene that was oh, yeah. made in, in, the, in the, the trailer the and I didn't of, think it was gonna yes, the Department of Mammal Vehicles yeah. yes exactly <laughs> I didn't think it was gonna work as well because I was like oh well it's gonna be in the trailers whatever but it 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 was longer and it worked way better oh than my I God, ever yes. thought it would. Well, yeah, the with the context applied of why it's happened, like there's, yeah, it's one exactly. of those because you know, yeah, I, we've talked about this before. I, I, I am adamantly against the amount of guffaws people seem to have at movie scenes that they've seen in trailers thousands of times before they see the movie and then laugh hysterically anyway. But this right, is one right. that defies that, where it's like right. this is even better now. <laughs> like this is this is this is just hilarious. It's also, separate. Uh, Separated from all the, you know, the obvious, like, you know, racial subtext going on. This is just a standalone comedic scene of joy. It's just so cool constructed. Yeah, and and then another joke uh, having to do with that cute comment is uh, Judy calls Nick the Fox articulate. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He finds that a little condescending. Certainly, yeah, yeah, we talked about it during the review, too, but I certainly felt like the message could go across, you know, again, racism, classism, sexism, all that stuff, and it's it's relevant at any time. So I I really like Zootopia as well. It is in one of my... uh, uh, mentions though, it's the, char- it's a, the characters it's can't stop touching the woolly sheep's hair. Yeah, I mean, there's so yeah. much stuff. In there's here. a lot and of stuff in there that uh, a, is there... for adults. While uh, you know the children will still love it, but the adults will still be like, "That was a great point." The, the initial what, what what was it? Ice cream scene. That yeah. that's a that's an interesting scene that's to have the in there. Yeah. yeah, it's a, yeah, it's at the also being incredibly clever of what it at like the over what what that would eventually like it just it builds it's a movie that really builds and builds its different right. things. We'll get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Abe, what's your number four film? Number four is Hell or High Water, and Ew. this is uh, it was on your list as well, I think. Um, yeah. But what I liked about it a lot is that it is a a quieter movie as well. There's no like. I think all the acting is superb in it, uh, especially big, big kudos to uh, Jeff Bridges. It's reckless is what it is. Oh. It's tweakers, I'm telling you. I don't think these boys are reckless. Damn sure ain't tweakers. They know exactly what they're doing. I don't know how you're going to survive without somebody to outsmart. You need a hobby. And quick. You like to fish. Not enough to do it every day. 
Oh, who knows? Maybe one of these bank robbers is gonna want a gunfight, and I can dodge my retirement in a blaze of glory. Well, I've seen you shoot. Won't be much glory in it. <laughs> His character actually progresses in, in its rise and fall through the movie. Um, but what I also really liked about it is that it was just nothing flashy. It's very simple. You know, these guys are in this really, uh, I guess, economy, e- economically hurt uh, Texas town and they go around robbing local banks and it's a very interesting story because I'm not really sure if they were good or bad and also uh, I'm not really sure if uh, I felt uh, okay with the ending because at the end I'm just really uncertain whether Jeff Bridges is in his right or is Chris Pine in his right I'm not I'm not really sure how to feel so overall again fairly simple story nothing flashy about it but I think the acting is solid and the writing was solid as well. I think the screenplay is terrific. I mean, I, yeah. I think the there there are great lines in this movie as far as kind of the barbs that are traded between the characters, the the two on two relationships going on here with, with Jeff Bridges and Gil Birmingham as the uh, right. his, his half uh, Native American, half Mexican partner, and yeah. um, and Chris Pine and Ben. F- Chris Pine, by the way, is fantastic in this movie. Like uh, I I I, gener- I like him in general. I think he's a bit bland in various roles where he's just like assigned to be action guy. I think he's I think he has a lot of fun playing kind of character roles that he doesn't seem to get the chance to do because he's you know right. Kirk he's yeah. Kirk now so he has to by be, by default be the starring role in other movies that is just kind of like all right whatever this movie he really showed me something where it's like this is wow he's do, doing something different here that I really enjoy right. yeah and Ben movie... Foster is great too but I yeah. think you expect him to be great yes I do yeah <laughs> right. that's kind of where I stand with Ben Foster I but mean like with Aaron that he's like an overactor he's an overacting character actor but he's so good at it yeah uh, and and the two of them are so good at being brothers like I mm-hmm. I really believe yeah. that these two that were sort fun. of this antagonistic you know they they had siblings they're, they're really right. Well done. You boys know how rich they're going to be? They don't know anything yet. You take them to the funeral? Like I said, they don't know anything. You want a little advice? No, no, I don't. Go see him tomorrow. You got any idea how much I owe Debbie and child support? You got enough in your front pocket to fix that problem right now. Can't spare it, you know that. Maybe we should hit another branch. You know, you talk like we ain't gonna get away with this. I've never met nobody got away with anything, ever. You. And why in the hell did you agree to do it? Because you asked, little brother. I think it's a very and what you're saying. What I wanted to get to, what you're saying about you know the kind of the morality involved in how things go about like i do what I, I love how the film really does handle the nature of these crimes where there you know there's little lines like jeff bridges had the throwaway line where he, he's interviewing one person then he sees the bank manager walk you know walk around and he's like oh that looks like someone that would close the close out on a house and it's just like you you get that he like he's going it's not that he's going through the motions but he, he sees what's going on at this like he's a very smart character but he yeah, also he gets the he gets the kind of time that he's living in and this movie is very, you know, it's very relevant. You know, in addition to the other movies that deal with race and what have you, there's this is also this is a movie that deals with kind of economic despair in 2016 Correct. in a way that you don't. Well, see I mean, it was, I think it was set a little bit back back uh, in the in the aughts, like 2008, 2009. But there's no setting of the movie. It's, it's, there's no setting, yeah, which I think is yeah. is uh, it's contemporary, which I think is a, is a big attribute to the movie. 
Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it, while, you know, it's simple in present as far as like, it's a bank robber movie, but I think there's yeah. a lot of good subtext, especially, you know, in, in regards to like Jeff Bridges and Gil Birmingham, where they kind of, they discuss like things of, uh, of like how the native American people lost their land. And right. now here we are, yeah. we can the, you know, the white people lose their land essentially to yeah. banks. Like there's, just some interesting commentary going it, yeah, on. Yeah, and addition. again, like what you mentioned, it's very subtle. Like, it's not as though they go into a huge exposition about it and the music swells. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing like that. It's actually just very much in in uh, in quick uh, discussion, so that's why I thought the script was really solid. Okay. Uh, by the way, if you want to see Chris Pine in an in a interesting character role, Smoke and Aces. Smoke and Aces, yep. Yeah, he's he's really good in that character role. Short, short time, but then uh, you're like what you said, he... Guy cast as Kirk, and I don't really see him in character roles anymore. He, he and uh, Ben Affleck have a great scene in Smoking Aces together. Um, <laughs> there, uh, actually, um, Joe Carnahan, who directed Smoking, he did direct a film called uh, Stretch with Patrick Wilson. He and Chris Pine. I think that movie's okay, but Chris Pine has a pretty uh, solid character type okay. role, very similar look. to similar to his Smoking Aces type character, uh, as far as <laughs> right. madcap wildness. But uh, here you go. Yeah. Um, is it my turn? Yeah, um, you're number four. My number four is Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay. And like you said, as far as kind of a lot of these films are now, my like five through one are all interchangeable almost. Right. Not quite. I made my choices. I'm happy with them. But these are all films where like, these could have easily all gotten five stars for me and I'd have to kind of decide between them, which I did have a tough time doing. Mm-hmm. Hunt for the Wilder People is a film that I adored right from when I saw it. I saw it way back, I think at like the end of March or early April or something like that. And I was already looking forward to it based off both the work of Taika Waititi with uh, Hunt for uh, um, What We Do in the Shadows and Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eagle vs. Lo- Shark. E- <laughs> Eagle ver- I, I like Eagle vs. It's not my favorite of his, but I like <laughs> Eagle vs. Shark. It's cute. Uh, yeah. It's quirky. Um, that, you know, it had raves at Sundance or what have you. But yeah, this movie, I th- it's just, a, it's it's the kind of film where it has this great kind of sense of humor that runs throughout it, and then it just has like great comedic, like, like huge comedy scenes like every yeah. 20 minutes or so that just really get you and there's and it's just fun and the cast is great there's a good amount of path pathos in here I, there's a, a relationship that forms early on that's suddenly taken away from you that i thought was you know if i knew more about this movie i probably wouldn't have been surprised but i was surprised because i knew very little about it going in mm-hmm. um there's there's an epic car chase in this movie that I think is fantastic. <laughs> there's there's a point where you have you have the Julian Dennison character, the young boy, right. in a car with Sam Neill, and there's there's a um a child services character who I think is hilarious. I I don't know I, I don't know if any <laughs> other one. I don't think I don't think I, movies. I, I, yeah, she's yeah she's an actress in other Taika Waititi movies, and I I'm not sure if anyone else is enamored with the comedy that comes from that performance as much as I oh, am. I but there's but there's a lot of great like there's a whole Sarah Connor speech between yeah. the two of them that makes me laugh. But there's a point in this car chase where <laughs> he's driving and he kind of. And and she pulls up on the side of him. and She's like, Wait, like she starts yelling at him. And her name's Paula. He, the kid looks to the side. And he's like, "Hi, Paula." He just starts. He just waves at her. It's just nice like her. in the midst of this intense car chase, he's just a kid having fun. And there's just that's the movie as a whole. Like there's this, a a serious thing going on here, but it's still like just fun. It's still enjoyable to watch this. Like it, it, the kid, it it reflects on like how the kid's dealing with this. And I I think it bodes well of how the movie handles everything. Where there's there's some interesting things going on as far as familial themes and what have you, but it handles it with such a kind of a loose energy and it looks great throughout with the, you know, the use of the New Zealand bush. Like it's such a wonderfully made film with a lot of clever filmmaking too. There's some neat shots. And yeah, they're actually, there's a lot of like really interesting, like, uh, I guess loop shots 
Loop uh, shots, but, yeah, which are, real, which are practically that, done. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I would also definitely want to add that uh, there's a lot of laugh out loud moments, and one of the first ones came very early on when I wasn't expecting it, but Ricky goes around walking around the house, and then he just gets back into the police car, and for whatever reason, <laughs> I just laughed out loud, and that's the kind of tone. The other thing that I really like about Taika Waititi movies is that he, he has a lot of pop culture references. If you watch Boy, he loves Michael Jackson, and then in this one, like what Aaron mentioned, the Sarah Connor Terminator exchange was fantastic and there's and so many the, more the, pop culture references the julian dennis again he's like he's a big like hip-hop fan and he like right. he, like he names his dog tupac right, uh, he, right. He, there's little there's just little nods here and there <laughs> that are just really and like he he, he I, he's the kind of character who i think hasn't seen scarface but wants to emulate what scarface would be like like it's the kid like right. just kind of knows it from images and like lines he's maybe overheard yeah. like that's how that's how he's modeled his life essentially and it's just really funny right what like, i'd also it, add is that and touching uh, it's a touching movie too it is like, yeah like and the, the, yeah the point that i was gonna make about that is that it's it's not one that's like oh and then here's a point in the third act where we'll go into uh, everything that happened to ricky and so that you you get a full understanding of his background no it's actually i was i was actually expecting that to happen and it didn't and i appreciated the movie more for not going into that and and uh, taking that route. Yeah, just a really, really lovely film. I yeah. really like to hunt for the Woodrow people quite a bit. Cool. Um, yeah. Oh, had it at my number one a few times. I'm like, well, I could put it here. I kept thinking that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was making this top ten list. I, I This and uh, another film I've seen the most this year, actually, as far as movies I've watched. Okay. Um, all right. Let's get to our number three films. Mark is <laughs> trying to remember the order here. You Marcus. saved it. Yep. Yeah. What is number three film of the year? Uh, my mine is La La Land, and I'm not going to be able to say a whole lot more than 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 what you've already said. But I'll, I'll touch on a couple things. Um, I remember the first time that I saw Singing in the Rain, and it kind of gave me that kind of feeling. It's, it's that magic movie movie magic feeling that I really you can't help but enjoy. Nobody, I can't see anybody going into this movie not enjoying it even though there's people that would probably go into it with a negative whatever <laughs> but it's got a little it's got that magic to it uh two, 2014 whiplash was my favorite movie of the year and damien chazelle just kind of was hitting it out of the park. I, I mean i gotta give it I'm, I'm gonna watch every movie he makes now so that's that's pretty much what i gotta say i'm in agreement with that i'm definitely gonna watch everything oh, yeah. that damien chazelle produces makes writes everything that you know, listening to the sound, like what I, I've enjoyed quite a bit about the um, the soundtrack of this film, in addition to just you know, enjoying the soundtrack in general, is that movies like La La Land are ones where I really like start to get the beats of the film down, if you know what I mean. Where I start to like, I can kind of hearing the movie, I can kind of time like it happens with a lot with like film scores where I know where, when certain things happen based off certain cues. And listening to the song, uh, somewhere in the someone in the crowd specifically, the part where it kind of goes really low and then builds back up again, which is in the movie where Emma Stone walks to the pool and the guy jumps off the pool and oh, yeah. into, like that entire like there's a lot of things there's a lot of great scenes in that movie um but that that whole bit there I think is just it, it's great cinema of just the, the something it's something new that I haven't necessarily seen before presented that way it, it's fun it's lively it's colorful it's inventive it applies to what's going on in the world of this film where you just have this great, you know, a person falls in water, camera tracks them, comes back up again, just starts spinning around and just showing people dancing. It, like, it's such it's a, brilliant. it's, it is, it's a brilliant moment of film in a movie that is consistently brilliant. Like, there's just so much great stuff. In it. it's, yeah. it's definitely, I mean, I hope Damien Chazelle is nominated for Best Director because I think oh, yeah. this is given. definitely yeah. a film that 
it, it succeeds because of its direction. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a big part of the film. It's not an easy film. I mean, the, the opening scene, I mean, is yeah. like a masterfully directed scene, right. you know, which was actually filmed on location. This is not a set. You know, they mm-hmm. actually filmed this out on a freeway. So that's the logistics of that is just so hard. I mean, and it looks like it, too. It doesn't look like it's some baked out set or anything like that. It looks they pan out and it lo- it's on a freeway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know where this is. Like, I know, like, I mean, I'm in <laughs> the area. I know you just like pull over and start singing. I don't, I don't well, specifically it's, drive it's on a that stop part. on the Hollywood tour now. <laughs> oh the, no! The, no, the I'm way. kidding. But like, oh, it could be. that's gonna cause more traffic. <laughs> it could be. People get off the bus and start doing right. fake versions of the dance, <laughs> twirling around. All right, Mark Oban, what's your number three film? Uh, my number three film is Sing Street. This was the Irish movie about a, a '80s set band, a group of kids uh, forming a, sort of a pop band, much in the same sort of style as like the New Wave, uh, The Cure, the Duran Duran, the Human League, and that kind of stuff. I, I said this when the movie came out, and it's still true, even after La La Land. This is my favorite soundtrack of the entire year. I think this, the music is just flawless, and Drive It Like You Stole It is like my favorite song of the year. But there's other there's other movies or other songs in the, on the soundtrack that are also um, equally good. Uh, again, uh, kind of a sort of like a musical in a way. Uh, I mean, it's basically about a band, so the the musical numbers are part of their performances. But uh, it's it's upbeat. Uh, I like the way that the story comes together. Uh, it, it's it's not the most innovative story in the world. Uh, I I will give it that. But I I. I think it was uh, it was really well put together. Um, I, I I think that the uh, singing and and the music is is really exceptional. I mean, I, I liked it better even than La La Land. It, the story wise, it, it would was quite as like innovative as something like that. But I, I still enjoyed it a lot. I, I thought it was really I was really this was a, a movie that kind of blew me away. I, again, I wasn't expecting much, and and I walked out of there going, oh my gosh, that movie was so good. And it, it came out in the early – I think it was in the first half of the year, and I thought, you know, well, this can't be the best movie of the year. But for, for a good part of the year I, – I mean it's, it's my number three. For a good part of the year, this was my favorite film. Yeah, Sing Street is – it's wonderful joy watching this movie. It's that's the great. kind of like – that's a, that was a hard one to like not put on my top ten. But um, it's it's just – like the, you mentioned the soundtrack. Like that is a soundtrack that has been nonstop played in my car for the better part of the, of last year. Yeah, those some of those you know those those hits. I <laughs> tried it like you stole it. Riddle of the model up. I mean, those they're just there. There's a lot of a lot of great ones that uh, the lovely Anna and I have certainly been uh, really enjoying listening to again and again. Yeah, and, uh, I uh, I caught the movie on on Netflix when it came out, and what I really liked it is uh, actually I liked some of the family drama. I especially liked the brother. Yes. Connection. Yeah. Um, and I like the message at the end uh, of uh, John Carney's like for for big brothers everywhere. And I was like that is a uh, it's a really sweet message. So, big fan of uh, the way that their their divorce kind of drives a lot of this. The parents' divorce kind of drives a lot of this. And I like the songs as well, but I certainly like the way that uh, the ending concludes. Because go for your dreams, man. Just do it. And the video that they shoot um, for their first song, the rhythm of the model, is really like it's it's influenced by the, the <laughs> stuff of that era, you know. And it's funny too because they're they're not supposed to they form the band so he can meet a girl so they're not supposed to be like very good but of course right. they're really good. Well, what I what I I mean I think they're 
they're they are good. I I'm not taking that away from it, but I do think there's there is some cleverness in following the songwriting, where the songwriting I think is just it's like just good enough. Like the lyrics are very like like girls, for example, which I like that song quite a bit. But I, I the, the like the the writing, it's not like. You know, it's not relevatory as far as what it's trying to say or anything, but it's like it is the kind of thing like like high school kids would write. It's like, all right, yeah, that's a fun like song. I get it. I get what they're doing. It's, it's not the most like amazing song as far as like its construction or what have you, but it's like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, good job, guys. <laughs> all right, Abe, what is your number three film? Number three is same as Marcus uh, is La La Land, and not much to add except that uh, I've been listening to the songs and sometimes they just stay in my head. Justin Hurwitz does a really good job. Uh, that epilogue song, for whatever reason, has been in my head much more lately. Uh, just the part where it starts pumping up, it goes dun, 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 dun. So that's like just been playing whenever I'm walking around. I'm like, I feel like dancing right now. Uh, I feel like John Amos in Coming to America. The go to example. The go to example. John a Amos. <laughs> <laughs> that was on TV the other day. I was like, oh, John What's Amos it? is here. <laughs> But uh, like what you guys had mentioned, there's a lot of very uh, unique things about it. But at the same time, it feels familiar as well. The execution is just spot on. And uh, I'm glad that it's uh, it's been getting so much more, I guess, draw. Because uh, my buddy texted me yesterday, and she and her boyfriend were going to try and go catch it. But it was apparently sold out like at all these theaters. So get on, get on La La Land. I'm, I'm actually glad that I didn't see much, many trailers for it. Because I heard the buzz coming out of Sundance and all those other festivals earlier on. And I think I might have seen like one small teaser TV teaser for it. But other than that, I was glad that I didn't see anything else because it blew me away uh, when I watched it. Because you know that you're either in or out by the first 10 minutes of it because that's. That's the highway song you guys are talking about. My part, like, I want to know the guy that's like, long take, song, sunlight, not for me. I'm out of here. See you later. I just want to meet that person, too, because I'm pretty, uh, again, like, you're either in or out by then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number three, Aaron. It's my turn. Number three. My number three is right in front of me. Here it is. It is Moonlight. What happened? Huh? What happened, Chiron? Why you didn't come home like you're supposed to? Huh? And who is you? Nobody. I found him yesterday. Found him in a hole on 15th. Yeah, that one. Some boys chased him in the cut. He scared more than anything. He wouldn't tell me where he lived till this morning. Well, thanks for seeing to him. He usually can take care of himself. Good that way. Yay! I yeah, uh, Moonlight is very good, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> um, it is, it's a movie where I, I watched it thinking, wow, I I'm glad that America's finally caught on with Wong Kar Wai because Barry Jenkins has made basically a Wong Kar Wai movie with the mm. way he, the the way he uses his visual style, um, his own visual style tonight, copying Wong Kar Wai. But I it just it very much felt it felt evocative of that kind of movie where it's a it's a. It's a it's a so, it's a soft drama if that makes any sense where there's there's just enough going on to keep things keep the momentum going but and I think we've kind of got into this already the the plot is it's minimal as far as it's about observing life as opposed to giving you a very direct and intense story there's things that happen that certainly shape the life of Chiron um Chiron Chiron uh, Chiron no Chiron um, little um yeah, that's easier let's just go with little but I, I think it, it handles that very well. I think it, 
you get a great sense of who this person is, despite the fact that you have three different time periods where three different actors embody the same persona. That's mm-hmm. a very tricky thing to pull off. Which makes the poster actually really awesome. Oh, yeah, the poster's one of the best of the year. I love that poster. Um, but it For the longest time I looked mm-hmm. at when the, the poster first came out, I was trying to figure out which character is that. And mm-hmm. then it, it dawned on me this is all three of them. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize that at first. I thought it was one face, and they just had colors on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the the film. I think it's it's full of great acting for one thing. Uh, we mentioned Mahershala Ali, who also he, in addition to Joel Edgerton, he had a terrific year. He, he was in he was in like four different movies, uh, which I've seen them all, and I'm gonna try to name all. And of he was them. in a, a hit Netflix series. He was in he was in he was in yeah he was in a um, uh, House of House of Cards as well as Luke Cage. He had two two Netflix series, and he yeah oh I know I just remember the films. He's got this one. He's got um Kicks. Another uh, film very similar to this and like dope, actually. Yeah. Um, Free State of Jones, which I hated, but he's great in. And, <laughs> and then he like he and um, Janelle Bonnell, who plays his wife Janelle in this Manet. film, Janelle Monet, he they both pop up in Hidden Figures. I'm like, oh, that's great. Okay, oh, <laughs> like, that's right. that's fun. <laughs> Got a min- Moonlight reunion here. But yeah, he's he's terrific here. Uh, you just mentioned Janelle Monet. She's very good here. Naomi Harris has begun a lot of uh, a yeah. recognition as well. And the three act the three young actors that play. Play little. Um, yeah. Shout out to little all, as a are, child. That, that are all great good. as well. And I, and it, you know, as it built and built, as it got to you know these different time periods, um, I was I was so intrigued by you know where things were going to be going, um, because you have you know an opening one with with with, with little, um, then you get to you know those teenage years, then you get to the adults. Now when it got to the adult period, it's like what could happen here that could really like bring this excuse me bring this thing home, and. One could, you know, one could maybe expect like a grand monologue that it gets, you know, across everything that he goes, that he's gone through, and what he thinks of it now, or what have you. Um, but it takes such a different route that I was very impressed with, and I think yeah. there's a performance between. I'm sorry, I can't recall the uh, the name of the the adult uh, Trevante Rhodes, Trevante Rhodes, and Andre Holland um, <laughs> as as adults essentially. We've we've seen these characters throughout the uh, throughout the film, and as adults, yeah. they have they just. They have this great conversation essentially, and it and just the kind of Where he's emotion like that comes like through. on the stove. Like yes, in the in his right. house. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great scene. So what There's... I like about that and the mm-hmm. the whole entire movie itself is that it's slow, but it's deliberate, and that's what I liked about it. Because that oh, yeah, discussion yeah, yeah, that the... they have at the end there, it could have gone, it could have been done in like ten minutes, but no, they it's pulled out because it it's setting this mood for you. And there's no like grandstanding in it. It's not like there's kind of like deep messages and like thoughts that have been learned. There's you know there's realizations and understandings and what have you, but it's not about you know preaching. Like it's just more about getting across a, a, you know a very a very interesting character study about who people are and about what you know how it is to come up in a world where you're not you're not sure of yourself and there's so much pressure around you to be certain ways and what have you. But the movie mm-hmm. finds a way to kind of not defy anything, but just kind of, kind of be what it is. And it would be interesting to not necessarily see a follow-up, but just kind of ponder what does happen with, you know, this character uh, after, you know, this movie ends. And, you know, this, the, the screenplay is based off an unproduced play um, and opposed to other, like we just talked about Fences, Abe, um, yeah. for a lengthy discussion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so with my mom and Anna, and which was a great discussion. But, you know, that's a movie where, you know, you understand the kind of the how it works as a play because it's very much filmed as such. Where this film, you know, it wasn't produced. So it, and obviously it's adapted from that. So it, it's more it's inherently cinematic to that regard. But mm-hmm. the the way it's constructed, you can certainly see how it could play out as a play if it was kind of rearranged and done certain ways. But the 
the nature of this film, that's why I spoke about the cinematography earlier, I think it's such a great cinematic experience to watch a movie like this, where, as I said, you have La La Land and other films that are, you know, obviously cinematic as far as what they're doing, which doesn't make them, you know, better or worse, but there's a movie like this that, you know, plays around with subtlety, yet still gets across such a great visual story in addition to the character piece that's going on at the center of this thing. Okay, so we're moving on now to our number two films. Uh, Marcus Robinson, what is your number two film? My number two is, I think somebody's been mentioned before, but it's uh, The Lobster. Uh, oh, all right. <laughs> I, I, really I didn't get to talk about this, it. so I'm happy this came up again. I really, okay, so hopefully hopefully Aaron can defend me on this one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, okay, so so it's it, in the future, people are, singles are rounded up into this resort or this hotel of sorts, and they're given 45 days to find romance, or they're transformed into an animal. Of their choosing. <laughs> of their choosing, of their choosing. Um, okay, admitting this is not for everybody, and I, I tend to really like these absurd comedies more than some people, but this really pushes the limit. I, I, I was okay. I was a really big fan of Dog Tooth, and that really pushed the limit. This pushes the limit in the same way. It, it may be hard to watch for a lot of people. They may not find a lot of this funny, but Okay, so for example, there's, there's a scene. So there's a scene where the, the lady's going to commit suicide, and she finally does, but she doesn't jump from a high enough window. So she's screaming in the lobby or in the patio area, and Colin Farrell, who's the main character, is having this conversation about how this is really annoying, and they hope she ho- she hopes she dies soon so he can get on with his day. And it's stuff like that. I, I really thought the delivery was funny. I thought a lot of John C. Riley was really funny in this. When it was serious, it was really creatively serious. But when it was funny, it was, it was pretty funny. I, but it's not for everybody. I don't need to defend yeah. <laughs> the lobster. I think, I think, I think it's think fantastic. It's, I, it's a movie. It's early on. This is one of my, this is one of my favorite movies too, of the year. Early on, I, I, yeah, I was. I, well, I couldn't wait to see this movie. Um, you know, hearing about it for think, so long. Think, do you think you can recommend this movie to everybody? I, I don't. I, well, I don't. Well, don't recommend don't, it to me. It's not my job right. to go but, out and but, recommend but I know, movie so, to everybody. But so, it, Mark, I do remember that you did not like Dogtooth. You didn't sit. You couldn't sit through it. Oh, right? you know, Dogtooth. I wouldn't even. Uh, I wouldn't even offer a review on that because I, I. I started to watch it and I didn't finish it, so I, I. I wouldn't even. I when when that happens, I don't even. I. I basically call it. I. I haven't watched the film. So I, I I wouldn't even venture a guess on to what I would think of that film. Dogtooth is certainly a, a, a harder turn down the rabbit hole as far as director Yorgos yes. Lanthimos is concerned. I mean, it's it's a tougher film. To, but, this is but, Lobster is more commercial than Dogtooth is. Yeah, I, uh, I, I will defend uh, Lobster to a point. I, I thought the first half uh, I was rather entertained, and I thought all of his uh, uh, David's experiences at the rules of the hotel were were funny and I thought his little like daily routine of you know how he has to try to find a companion and the way that it's almost sort of like a reaction against holidays like Valentine's Day where everybody needs to like find a partner and all that and so I I kind of enjoyed that part um the part where it kind of lost me is uh, in the second half where um they escape and he ex- he gets he meets Rachel Weiss out in the in the the the, the, the woods uh, the wilderness or whatever and that's where I, I, I felt like, you know, I mean, and of course, then they become prisoners again because now they're forced to um, to not be together. 
And I just was like, oh. and I, and, I, and I thought it was maybe I don't misanthropic or something. It, it, I just didn't buy into the film's uh, rhythms or whatever. The first half, though, I, I was okay with. It, yeah, it just, I agree with Mark that the, it I, it's very uh, it's very quirky and funny. The first two thirds of it, and the last third, it got a little bit. It's different. I think I talked about this on a review too. It's different because uh, it gets a little bit more serious and and severe. Um, but I really liked Colin Farrell. Uh, I always, I always enjoy, I think Aaron and I both enjoy Colin Farrell, uh, especially like in smaller roles like this and like in Bruges or something like that. Um, I like it when he's naturally Irish. I I like that. I tend to like that more. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I certainly, I would agree with Marcus's sentiment that I don't know if it's for everybody. It's, well, it's not for everybody. It's a weird film, but I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about my personal top 10 list. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it it got to nine on me. It got to number two on Marcus. It got to number two on mine. I loved it. I, 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 I watched it a couple of times before I even got it on uh, DVD. But to, to speak to yeah, I, I love to to speak to the back end of this movie, I for me that's when I started really thinking about things. Like that's what that's when it like the messages of the movie and what it was trying to do really got, started get, getting to me and why it stuck with me. Yeah. If I just saw if the movie was all the first half and for me, I'd be like, all right, that was a fun diversion, but I wouldn't make much of it. But because it has this, you know, the kind of an. Uh, a second half, second, you know, the last bit, whatever that, you know, kind of rides against what was established in the first half. I liked exploring that world more. And I liked considering what it's, what Lanthimos is trying to say about relationships and, and romance and like what, what his, uh, his version of this twisted society is and whatnot. Like I, and it, it's why it stuck with me as opposed to just thinking, well, it was funny when, when Q from the Bond movie smashed his head against a desk, like it's more like, okay, now I can think about this ending and like this decision that he could be making or not be making or yeah. thinking about how, how horrible the, um, the leader of the, the rebels was and what she was trying to accomplish. Like I, I found there was perspective that I was more intrigued by because I had this other card to consider. And I, I just, yeah, it, it took me over. Like I was just really, I was really happy to get, kind of a what i felt was a complete vision of this world that he established which had a lot a lot of kubrick in it i felt like there was a lot of kubrick in this movie that i that i enjoyed as far as see that yeah. cinematic presentation of what was going on i i agree i i think it has more i think if i were to put it right next to Dogtooth, i think Dogtooth kind of does the same thing at the end it becomes this really kind of serious uh-huh it it it, it, it plays out the scenario to its completion Whereas this one, this one does play out that scenario to its completion. What would happen if we can stay in this hotel, but what happens when we get out? What happens when we escape? I don't want to give too much away, but what happens then? I gotta, I have to mention by the way, in addition to the kind of seriousness of the of the you know final half, and I would say, I mean, it gets more serious, but I think you'll still think, I mean. There's a scene where they're all dancing with each other while wearing headphones, so you can't hear any music at all. Which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, but there's also like every you'll just see like a peacock or something walk by and just remember, oh yeah, that's right, those, those, are people that those, chose those animals. Yeah. <laughs> like those, it's just or even like the first joke of this movie is a woman who drives in the rain, stops on the side of road, yes. and like shoots, shoots a horse donkey. in the or, or, it's a donkey. Shoots a donkey. A donkey. Yeah. Shoots a donkey yeah. in the head, and like yeah. and, you, and like if you don't know the premise already, it's just completely random. But knowing that it's like oh that like must be like her ex husband. It's like a jilted lover. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's but, just like but, this movie's crazy <laughs> but i could see how somebody could go oh i'm done like i can see oh donkey shooting within the first 20 seconds that's my that's where i draw the line all right i'm now here with scott mendelson of forbes and he is going to go through his uh, top 10 films of the year these will be in alphabetical order culminating with my favorite film of the year which is conveniently last in alphabetical order 
The 13th, Don't Think Twice, Edge of 17, Hidden Figures, Hunt for the Wilder People, Kubo and the Two Strings, Midnight Special, Miss Sloan, A Monster Calls, Moonlight, The Nice Guys, Pete's Dragon, and my favorite film of the year, Zootopia. Zootopia was my first favorite film of the year. And as sometimes happens, it remained that way through the course of the year. Sometimes you have a memento or a haha Shanghai Nights um, <laughs> that you absolutely adore right from the get-go and nothing really supplants that as your would-be favorite film of the year. Um, this was a total surprise. It was sold successfully, I might add, as a very farcical uh, talking animal comedy. There were very few hints of the fact that it was basically a, you know, a commentary on racial strife in modern America and fear-based prejudice. And it didn't take the easy route of showing good people confronted by racist bad guys, but rather confronted what was a story about how people who thought they were good very quickly and very easily gave into their fear-based prejudices when it was either convenient to do so or when they were scared into doing so. The metaphors are not perfect. That doesn't change the fact that it's a terrific picture. All right, Scott, thank you very much for your uh, favorite films of the year. All right, Mark Hoban, what is your number two pick of the year? Uh, so my another number two pick, uh, which has been talked about a few times already, is Moonlight. And uh, oh. this was really powerful. Um story that I just really fell in love with. I, I think one of the things I can add that we haven't talked about already is uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they have these three actors that play the same character. They look nothing alike, yeah. but yet they're, there's sort of their body language and the way that they act kind of conveys the same person. And you particularly notice it with uh, Travante Rhodes, who plays the adult version. He's so different looking um, because he's sort of built himself into this very, you know, macho uh, drug dealer type guy that is so foreign from the child that he once was. But yet there's like a, a, a conversation that he has with his friend in the car. And there's a moment where you kind of like see the child within the adult. And it's those kinds of moments that really get to you. It, it, it kind of. I, I, it's a dissertation like on identity and how we put up walls and, and then, but we still are the same people yeah. that we were as a child and, and we do change, but, but there's a part of us that stays the same and, and it doesn't change. And I think Moonlight explores that idea better than maybe anything. I mean, or as well as any movie I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, it touches on a lot of subjects, poverty, race, gender, sexuality, masculinity, identity, all of these things. And yep. it's it's not overt. I think it's really develops organically in a way just as someone would live their own life. And I think that's what makes Moonlight just so powerful. I want to note that you, you mentioned, you know, the actors don't they they are similar despite being dissimilar in appearance. And I, I want to note that the the actors involved, they did not meet each other. Uh, during the filming of this, they didn't like base oh, the performances off of each other or anything like that. They're all filmed separately. I thought that's a good thing to note that it's not like by design that they are similar in certain ways. It's just more of how they each approach the screenplay in different ways. But that yeah. actually makes I... it much much more 
of a great observation from Mark about their the way that their body language speaks. And Mark, well, what, you're, I, what, you're, what you're saying about Trevante Rhodes, um, you know how his big, you know, he's big and hulking to a point, as opposed to you know the characters, you know, the the form of the character we were you know seeing before. I think mm-hmm. that speaks greatly to the film's story and to the film's yes. you know the, its character and what it's trying to convey as far as this person who doesn't you know he's he's come up in a, he's come up in a world that's it's so it's so hard for him to kind of properly express himself. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think what you just said, though, regarding the uh, performances and how they didn't meet each other, that also speaks to Barry Jenkins as a director because mm-hmm. it's the director that has to kind of call that performance. I mean, the actor gets credit for their performance, of course, but the director can kind of give direction and let them know, I want you to play the scene like this or that. You, would you please do this or, you know, somehow that must have been conveyed. I mean, because there is there are similarities, you mm. know, in, in, in the way they act. So. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Abe, what is your number two film of the year? My number two movie of the year is Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo, look. The sword unbreakable. It could be a trap. Allow me. What, it's not a trap if you do it? Stealth is my middle name. You don't even have a first name. Don't worry, I got this. <laughs> the mighty beetle is victorious! What I really liked about this movie is that it sticks with what Leica has been doing, uh, which is their own thing. And I quite mean that literally. They've been doing their own thing that people haven't really been paying a whole lot of attention to because their box office draws aren't that strong, but they still keep making movies. Uh, it probably helps that you're that the guy who's running the company, his dad is uh, Phil Knight, you know, the, the founder of Nike. But it still, helps they make great movies. That's what helps. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like again, not not they're underseen, but critically praised. And uh, what I liked about Kubo a lot is that it's a story about this kid who has to go on this magical adventure, but that magical adventure all of a sudden becomes very real uh, to a certain degree because um, his life is altered by it. And I liked that it was it was ambitious and it was bold enough to stick to its core of. You know, Kubo is now an orphan, and he's going to continue to be one. Uh, he's going to meet some people in, in later, but at the end of the movie, there's Kubo praying to the graves of his mother and father. It's not a movie that is going to be like, oh, everything's all great and happy at the end, and we'll be a family again. No, this is something that is uh, steeped in some sort of reality, um, and I really like the hero adventure of it. Uh, but I also like the emotional pulls of it, and I was emotionally invested, I think, like the first 30 seconds in when uh, this woman is escaping from a tide, and <laughs> that actually got me emotionally. If you must blink, do it now. Yeah, that is a great – that's great advice from the opening of the movie. So uh, Kuba and the Two Strings is one of my favorite movies of the year. With the exception of Marcus because I just happened to see it. I don't know the, the list of these guys, yeah. uh, of you guys. Um, I so know I, yours. I, and I'm I, all, yeah, and I'm – I think we try to do that on purpose just to be yes, that's preserve right. the surprise to a point. And I was like, hmm, because <laughs> so I'm thinking, what's left here? And now I, <laughs> and I, I thought I was like, well, hmm, what could be his number? One? I, I have an idea of what things could be. But I was really like, is Hail Caesar going to be that high? It's not now. I know that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but you have mentioned it. I enjoyed times. that movie. <laughs> I know you did. I'll be, and I'll be happy to shout it out too. We get to honorable mentions, but um, <laughs> I know Mark didn't, by the way. Um, but we can, <laughs> as far as Kubo goes, um. Yeah, I there's a, there, there's plenty to talk about Kubo because we are big Leica fans on this podcast, um, right. and I, I think it, you know 
we have we barely talked about the the animation of that film which is tremendous in so many yeah. ways it's, it's tremendous it's stunning yeah. right i mean just there's so much going on in certain scenes where it's like my god like that's that's like a thousand people spending like 14 weeks for this like one scene that's <laughs> that's just, yeah. but it's and that's just the animation Abe, you touched on like you know the ending you know some kind of implied themes or what have you i think this is one of the best endings of the year as far as how a how a you know a quote unquote kids movie can handle some a story like this that deals with death and deals with family and deals with the, the nature of sto- the nature with, of storytelling. Yeah, like it also deals with forgiveness, and yes. that's mm-hmm. something that I would not have expected. In a, in a in a world like this where you have so many action, this is you know this is a this is an action adventure movie to a point, yeah. and you know we've seen a lot of ways to dispatch the big bad at the end and this is one of the more creative ones i've seen and one that really really hits me as far as what your like you just said forgiveness and what you, what one has to do to kind of accept the new status quo that's been you know kind of shifted into play here i think right. it's a, a really a really interesting step that like it took to kind of make this happen and yeah. in addition to the many other things that i love about kubo the two strings there's so many things i'm actually just went watch it after this podcast <laughs> uh, oh, so it's me. Um, yeah, your number two, Aaron. My number two is Zootopia. <laughs> this is this is the other film that I've watched the most this year or last year. I, I've watched Zootopia quite a bit because it's very enjoyable. It's like this movie was tailor made for me because it is a it's an animated Disney comedy about that features a neo noir mystery story that tackles racial themes. It's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, that sounds like Eric's made all that up, but he's, it's accurate. That, that's, that, that's what I've gotten. Like it, like between the, this and like the nice guys is a great double feature for that reason. But like, it's, yes. it's, a, it's amazing how Zootopia exists for me where you, it, it gets, you know, it's not a musical, uh, despite having a, 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 a neat little Shakira tune to go along with it. And, you know, it's, it's not, as you mentioned before, it's not a, it's not a princess story and regard that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different. And it's such a, it's a neat step for Disney to take where it's like, well, we're making so much money doing this other stuff and also owning these massive franchises that we can make this other movie that, you know, is a racial parable that isn't necessarily perfect, but, you know, far more intriguing to me than, you know, other, other animated efforts that have very little to say. And this is such a, it's amazing of it's not even like they got away with anything they just you know it's not it's not even like it's very it's in the subtext but it's not all it's not like it's hidden it's not it's 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 amazing that the the writing of this movie it's so sharp and it's really funny and it's you know it it applies to today in ways that i was certainly did not expect going into the film it has this terrific voice cast I, there's some great like funny performances here. I believe Jason uh, Jason Bateman won like an Annie Award for his work in this movie as a uh, as the fox, and it, it it's a great. It, we talked we talked about the animation in Kubo. The animation here, I mean, it's not unexpected that Disney was able to make a great animated movie as far as the visuals are concerned. But this is another great animated movie. I mean, there's right. there's terrific ideas for presenting a world full of animals and having these different like uh, in, environments, all different worlds. Yeah, there's like, like a. a the rainforest world the, and the tundra the hamster world. world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, the, 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 yeah that, there's that like, yeah, there's that like action chase scene that takes place where they run from like the mammal zone, like the, the, the normal size quote unquote mammal zone to the, to the hamster rat world or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> they're all, it's all like tiny little buildings and whatnot. They have to account right. yeah. for that. And it, it applies a sense of logic to it. Right. I, I love this sense of scale because, you know, mm-hmm. at one minute the bunny goes to work 
and she's in this room full of all these other animals and there's like a rhinoceros and there's a, a yak and, and everybody is huge. And you see like she's so tiny, like how could she possibly compete with these people? But then the next minute she's in the hamster world and she's dwarfing all of them. So it, it, it has fun with that, with that idea right. of like how animals, you know, like how would these animals live together and, and yeah. how could that even happen? Opposed to something like, I don't know, Robin Hood, which I do like, but that is a movie where it's like all the animals are basically the same. They're all just hanging out and talking with each other. This is a movie that yeah, very much accounts for, you know, within reason because they are anthropomorphic animals that talk. It, it accounts for the idea that, yes, these are different sized animals that have different ways of, of you know, moving around and interacting or what have you. Uh, not too much to add because we've talked about it already, but uh, I just want to echo Aaron's point about the world building. I certainly enjoyed that there that you actually get to see not just like the city, but you also get to see where where Judy is from in the in the farm, and then like what Mark just mentioned, the small mammal area. But then they also go to the jungle, and uh, it's the actually, mighty jungle. They, actually, <laughs> they go to a lot of different places, and uh, I think we might have brought it up, but in comparison to this and Cars, it's like I understand how this world works. Whereas in cars, it's like, wait a minute, did the cars build their own places? And then how do they get into these giant buildings and stuff like that? So cars is a conundrum. <laughs> yeah, I'm both excited to explore more and not excited to explore more. <laughs> That's why I think Cars 2, they're just like, let's just make a spy story and go with it. And we're like, okay. Which is why Cars 3, we can't wait for. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea, man. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Zootopia, um, in addition to being... <laughs> a heavy racial parable is also hilarious and I love watching it uh, and yeah. that's why it's my number two film of the year very Mission close to many seeing many times how many times have you seen it I think I've watched it like four or five times at this point that, that is a lot it's very I've watched it on. I've watched it three times and that's rare for me yeah you're not a you're not a big rewatcher but with animated films, it's I, it's easier. It seems I think. a little easier, yes. They, they, it's, certainly and, easier and, to, it's certainly easier to share. It's not like you're like, guys, it's lobster night. Let's go. Let's watch the lobster. <laughs> you, it's lobster. you and Marcus would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like it too, and then I'd be like, I'm gonna go now after double header dog scene. Yeah. All right, I'm now here with the lovely Miss Anna Bosch. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing well. This is the first time we're recording, like, away from each other. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's a little different, but uh, <laughs> circumstances that be, I do want to get your top 10 for 2016 <laughs> in, so uh, why, don't you, uh, okay. why don't you tell me what you got here? All right. So at 10, I have Queen of Catway. At 9, A Monster Calls. At 8, Arrival. At 7, Midnight Special. At 6, Kubo and the Two Strings. At five, Zootopia. At four, Sing Street. At three, Patterson. At two, Lion. And my number one film of 2016 is La La Land. All right. You want to, uh, I know we've talked about La La Land a few times on the podcast together, but you want to go into some brief thoughts of why it's your number one film? It's my number one film because I think it's still a relatable story to aspiring artists going to Hollywood or L.A., and, you know, trying to make a living in whether it's singing or being an actor. So I really like the story that was behind it. And I really enjoyed the music as well. It's, they have some catchy tunes. I told you and I think even wrote how like Lola and what have you humming and shuffling to another day. And I definitely been listening to a lot of the, um, the soundtrack. And I really do enjoy it as well. The instrumental pieces and the cinematography 
So, and like you said, we have talked a lot about, so I don't want to like take up too much time talking about a film that obviously, you know, <laughs> I've enjoyed talking about. So it is my number one film and La, La Land's been great of just, you know, combining both jazz and musicals as one. And so, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your top 10 with us. Well, thank you for letting me come on and do this quick bit. <laughs> You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. So, yeah. Ciao. All right. So we've arrived at our number ones, guys. Arrived. We've arrived at our number ones. So let's uh, let's get to it. Marcus Robinson, what is your number one film of 2016? All right. Uh, my number one film is Manchester by the Sea. Ooh. Again, it's an, another simplistic plot, uh, but with complex performances and themes. Like a guy has to go back and take care of his nephew after his brother dies. And here's my soundbite. This is the realest movie I saw all year. The direction, Kenneth Lonergan's direction is perfection. And there's a scene, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but there's a scene where with Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams that everybody's talked about already. But it, it dude, this is going to go down in cinematic history as one of the greatest back and forth, I don't know, the last decade. If you're like an aspiring actor or actress or director or writer, you have to check this scene out and learn from it. It's brilliant. I mean, there's tons of these scenes, but this is the, that's the standout scene everybody's going to be talking about. But I thought the entire film was pretty, pretty perfect. Pretty, it was, it was, it was exactly what I wanted. It, it, I, it hit me in a place that no other film hit me this year. So, Marcus, I have something to ask you. Yes. So yes. I, I, I loved Manchester by the Sea. It was my number seven, so it made my top ten. But one of the things I loved about this film was. You know, Casey Affleck is kind of an interesting character in this movie. He never has a moment where he breaks down and cries or right. he has an emotional moment. There is no scene like that. And that's right. kind of the thing that I appreciate about Loving. Okay. But in Loving – I knew this was going to – so I yeah, – yes. Go ahead. Go. Oh, yeah. So you're anticipating my question. Is it, it's it, Manchester by the Sea is understated and, and they doesn't have – I mean so, that kind of so, a – So my, my issue with – okay. So Manchester by the Sea was really – in these people's lives. I love Kenneth Lonergan's direction. It was, they were in immersed in these people's lives. No, the plot was really simple. With Loving, the plot is com very complex. If somebody were to tell me this plot and I went into and saw Loving, I, maybe I'd be a little bit dis disappointed. I, I, I may expect a little bit more, a little bit more of an evolved story than, than what I got. I'm not You're saying, saying Manchester by the Sea is more complex? No. I'm saying I'm saying loving the plot is more complex than the plot of Manchester by the Sea. I'm saying uh, 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 yeah, I guess I'm saying Manchester by the Sea is more complex than what I saw in Loving, which I expected Loving to be a little bit more complex than, than what I got. Okay, yeah, because no, I, I would say there's more going on in Manchester by the Sea. He's got his uh, exactly. his uh, nephew, and there's other things that that also are they're detailing, but. But yeah, I, I thought Manchester by the Sea was a great film, and uh, I really – I liked the fact that – I mean there, Michelle Williams does have sort of a moment in the film where she gets to sort of like act. But uh, I thought Casey Affleck's performance was just as powerful but throughout the course of the film. And he isn't the most likable guy. You know, He's sort of a – he's hiding a secret, and he's kind of withdrawn. He's and not it, hiding it is a hard. secret. I mean he's – the movie is just, you know, it's it's not like announcing every ten seconds what happened. It's just more he's so he's so introverted and so so 
has such a desire to just be left alone and have to, you know deal with this thing that happened where it's not about him outwardly expressing things beyond just rage every now and then when he goes to the bar and just wants to get punished like it, it's 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 very it's a very layered performance that i really enjoy quite a bit and and that's a that's a fantastic aspect of the movie watching him watching how everybody around him absorbs things and and and, and expresses their feelings and watching how he expresses his feelings in these outbursts with people he really doesn't know versus when when uh, uh, when Michelle Williams comes up to him and spills her guts and he really wants nothing to do with the conversation he in not like a bad in not like a way that it's disregarding her it's just he's so so uncomfortable yeah no I mean the the whole ensemble is really good and actor Lucas Hedges who plays uh, his uh brother's son um is really really good too and you know i mentioned when i was like talking about this movie that the film i've seen these movies these sort of tales before with and then they have a kid in it and then so you sort of expect you know what the kid's going to do or the their character that lucas hedges is a completely different kind of a, a type of character than i was expecting he's not at all what I won't even go into like what I expected and what he is, but he he's he's definitely different. And he's I thought a smart ass. Character... That's what I want to say. He's a smart ass. That's part of it, but I, I mean, know. he's also. I know there's of... more to there's more to it. I just I just want to yeah, put that out there. He's he's, he's, just, he's layered he's in a way. That... He's a lot more self possessed than I was expecting him. I was expecting him to be a little bit more like well, I don't know what I'm doing in my life. And but anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of an un... a lot of the film was sort of unexpected. The way it played out was not your typical. I wouldn't. I, I guess I didn't cry in the movie. I, I've heard some people say that they cried. That I didn't cry, but that's not. That wasn't important for me to whether or not I enjoyed the film. I, I. I think, in fact, in some ways, I thought the film was more powerful in in the sense because it it wasn't trying to to give you that tearjerker moment. But, but I mean, I, I can. I, I guess I can understand why people might have cried. I but. mean, there are there are there are there's a big giant tearjerker moment. In yeah, the I mean. I don't. I, it's hard for me to say whether I like if I'm if if I cry in movies or not. There are certain movies that do make me cry, and I will admit it in my review. But like this movie did not. Uh, but but it that had nothing to do either, with but my I, enjoyment I can of it. Under, I can understand how people got a little bit emotional, and, and during that big argument or not, but Michelle Williams' big scene, I can understand why people cried in that one too. It's right. a lot of emotion. But she's to, she's so good, it. you know. She's very that. Yeah, that's. It's ridiculous. That scene is ridiculous. Shout out to a friend of the show, Kyle Chandler, by the way, who I think is also quite terrific. In a, uh, I think he's the uh, second friend of the show. Like I did say, second all around. Yeah, oh, so I know, I know, but second all around. I just want to give him a uh, proper due or due due remarks. He seems to he seems to appear in movies that end up in my top ten, and he's in side parts. He was in. I really liked Carol uh, last year, and he had a very small oh, yeah. part. He's such a dick in Carol. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but but he was in the movie and beautifully looking film though. Yeah, and, and 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 now here he appears again and uh yeah, and he Lost was in what, what was the one with um uh, spectacular now? Yes, spectacular now. Spectacular he also now. had a, there you go. Yeah. a little bit of a larger oh. part in that, but that was one of my Wolf, favorite Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yes, yeah, he was. Great. He's been around. He's got his miles. Yeah. He he's picking good movies, that's for sure. That's true. Mark, I have a feeling I know what your number one is, but um, what what is it? Tell us, tell us all. So, uh, my number one is La La Land. I got a call back. What? Come on. <laughs> For what? For a TV show. 
The one that I was telling you about earlier. The Dangerous Minds meets the OC? Yeah. Congratulations, that's really incredible. Exciting. I feel like I said negative stuff about it before. What? It's like Rebel Without a Cause, sort of. I got the bullets. Yes. You've never seen it. I've never seen it. Oh my. You know it's playing at the Rialto. Really? Yes. You should, I mean, I'll, 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 I can take you. Okay. You know, for research. For research? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Monday night, 10, 10 o'clock. Yeah, great. Okay. For research. And uh, it's no secret, I'm a big I'm a big fan of old movies, and La La Land definitely kind of spoke to me in that way. Um, it's it's like, and, and what I really appreciate about La La Land, though, is it takes place in modern L.A., and it's it's got, you know, hybrid cars, it's got cell phones, it is your modern L.A., but it's reimagined through the sheen of like a 40s, 50s musical, and it makes L.A. just look magical. I mean, this is like a dreamland, you know, that like I want to go to. And I love the movie right from the start, the the opening number on the freeway and they get out of their cars. And it's not even uh, the the two stars are in the scene, but they're sort of like side characters in the scene. There's actually some other woman singing. Um, I wish I could have. I, I don't know her name, but the the actress starts singing and and, and the, the dancing and everything. And then you sort of are introduced to these side characters and then the movie takes off and uh I just I loved everything about the movie. It, I, we, we've talked about it several times already, so I, I don't know if there's too much I can add to it. But um, and it's also it is a movie that has been cited by a lot of critics as 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 Moonlight as well as one of the great uh, films of the year. So I probably don't have to justify my pick. But uh, but I really it, it's nice to see that so many people have embraced it because I, I do feel like this is the kind of film that in a couple years people will then reevaluate and say, oh, it really wasn't that good, a la The Artist or something like that. But it's mm. nice to see that everybody's enjoying it right now. So I'm glad uh, – I'm happy to say it's it's my uh, number one uh, movie of the of the year. And uh, Damien Chazelle, I, I, I'm ready to watch anything he directs. I think you know he's, he's very, very talented. Plus, great name. <laughs> you, just, really to, you really want to emphasize this, just, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that name. <laughs> Max Power. Um, <laughs> Hank Scorpio. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark, I, I – yeah, there's hardly any justification you need to do for your time. Yeah, no, it's, I don't, it's a I don't great think, film. Yeah. It's, it, is a, it is a great movie. Yeah. Um, Abe, what is your number one film of 2016? Well, my number one movie of 2016, I was quiet when Mark was talking about Manchester by the Sea, and you guys are having a discussion because that is also my number one movie. Things are a little bit up in the air. No, I, I can take care of it as far as the general maintenance is concerned, but that motor is going to go at some point. I'm taking care the, of it. There's no allotment for a new motor. Unless, George, you know someone who wants to buy it. Wait a second, I'm not selling it. We're going to be in Boston anyway. What? Since when are we supposed to be in Boston? Just take it easy. Well, whatever you decide, it's going to bleed you dry just sitting here. We don't, we don't know exactly what we're doing. Well, you know, he, he can always stay with us if he wants to come up weekends. Do you want to be his guardian? Well, he doesn't we want to already, be my guardian. For Christ's sake, got he's got well, we're trying to lose some kids, kids at this point. No, yeah. uh, we're trying to work out the logistics. We're jammed in so there, no. pretty good. But Jesus we, Christ, you want to always got a sofa George, for him anytime George, he wants. George, George, you know that, right? That's all right. He, I know. I know. He's that. welcome anytime. I understand. I, I know. Thank you. Uh, similar to what Mark was saying, it's a very simple story, but uh, more in depth. Uh, I think that Kenneth Lagerman, Lager, Lagerman, 
Lonergan. Sorry, Lonergan. He's like turning to the brawny man. You made it uh, to Kenneth the Lon- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Lonergan. Lon- Lon- <laughs> Lon- uh, I think what he does uh, in terms of writing, directing, and the cinematography, he's not the cinematographer, but I think those three aspects are so well done in this movie. Um, it is a layered performance by Casey Affleck, but the script allows it to really unravel in such a way that there's no exposition that has to go on. There's nobody saying like, well, now this and this and this. It's just you watch it and you there's all these whispers about what's been going on with Casey Affleck and why he's such like a, a, a local town uh, story. And when it does reveal what happened again, I wasn't even expecting that to happen. Like I, I that's. That's just the way that the story was written and the way that it plays out. And it is so uh, it's such a uh, an earned response from an audience member to watch that play out instead of movies where it is a lot of exposition from either characters or visually. Again, I think it's very well done performance from Casey Affleck. I think he's going to win Best Actor. Uh, And I think that uh, Michelle Williams also brings a, a, a nice added touch to it. But um, I want to give a shout out to friend of the show, Kyle Chandler. I think that his performance is, while it's very short and brief, there's a lot of brotherly instinct love in in it that uh, allows you to feel for it. Because the way that they also did the flashbacks, I think, was masterfully done. But um, when Casey Affleck has to go to the hospital to go see him, there's just a there's actually a really subtle thing that Casey Affleck does with his hands. Like he doesn't know what to do with his hands, so you see him like either uh, arms akimbo and then all of a sudden he's just like there uh, and that's a that's just case epic thing but when case epic goes to see kyle chandler on the on the bed there it's just like that was pretty heartbreaking but in any case mansion started to see i just think that it's so well done in the way that it's been scripted and the way that it's been acted and the way it's been directed look at just sure but Again, all of this goes to uh, Casey Affleck in terms of uh, the spotlight. And like what Mark was saying, there's no point in which I was expecting like, oh, well, here comes a point where he's going to break down and his voice is going to go up and he's going to be like, my life has been so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of that happens because that's just not the character that uh, Lee is playing or that Lee is. I'm looking forward to seeing I'm I'm pretty sure that Casey Affleck will be nominated for Best Actor uh, Oscar. And yeah. I, I, I want to see what is the reel that they show for it because there, it's, it's. I mean, there's not a moment where you know he that he, he really the reel down. that they showed for. Um, I hope, I hope it's the scene it? at the beginning when he's talking to the woman about the shower. I hope that's the reel. That's that would be my pick. I, I, I think <laughs> the scene that they showed for one of them was uh, he was talking to he was saying uh, uh, uh talking to the kid about. The kid was like, "Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm some under the cover stuff. Some under the bed. He, they're in, in the car. Oh, the he's car. dropping them off. At the, yeah. And he's not really saying a lot. So I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know what scene they would show. You want to be other his guardian? Like a, yeah. You want to be his guardian? Oh, that was a, <laughs> we're, okay. So we're that, trying, we're trying to, trying to lose kids uh, here. Yeah. Just, <laughs> that, yeah. The scene but, that they showed at the Golden Globes was the scene between him and the lawyer. Where he goes, oh, okay. I, I, I don't that, know that about being his guardian or anything like that. Yeah." 
So basically, I, that's, that's, you know, we we also mentioned some that I, that uh, we brought up some examples of, of the movie that it's also a very funny movie. Yes, um, that is something not, I like to emphasize because I feel yeah, like a lot of people are going to go in expecting this kind of dramatic, like you know, super dark experience. Dramatic. And it is, and again, I think well, that it is, I too, feel, it is as far as the degree of which what happened to character, right? To characters yeah. involved, but it's like, but the it's movie also is, just it's very a very funny. funny movie about grief. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, it is. Yeah, to. it's a very funny movie about grief. Uh, there's a lot of very slick one-liners, and there's also just very funny dialogue um, all throughout, uh, including a shouting scene at like uh, a post-funeral thing. It's like, what is going on here? What am I watching? Is this a comedy, or am I supposed to feel sad, or am I, or am I supposed to laugh? But uh, it's well done. It's well it's well handled. So it is my favorite movie of 2016. Oh, awesome. All right. So we're at me now, huh? Aaron, what is your number one movie of 2016? My number one film of 2016 has made less than $250,000 at the box office, so it's clearly taking audiences by storm. Um, it, um, it is Patterson, um, oh, okay. director Jim Jarmusch. Hello, darling. Hello, honey. I'm painting. Hello, Marvin. I see that. What do you think? Does it make everything more interesting? Yeah, it's very interesting. How was your day? Oh, the usual. Getting your writing done? I did a little, yeah. Working on a poem for you. A love poem? Yeah, I guess if it's for you, it's a love poem. It's kind of inspired by our uh, Ohio blue tip matches. Really? Does it mention the little megaphone shape the letters make? Yeah, actually it does. How beautiful. As I've said, the, the, the top films I've had here, they're very narrowly within each other as far as what I could have placed in various orders. And just looking at each of these films... The, the last five that in particular that we mentioned La La Land, Wilder People, Moonlight, Zootopia, those are all, they're all great and they all earn their top spot in their own right. But Patterson's a movie, which, I mean, I think a lot of emphasis in this podcast and what we've been talking about if our top tens has been subtlety and understatement. And <laughs> Jarmusch has certainly mastered that over the years. He's, you know, he's been an indie film. He's never been a one that, you know, shoots for the stars of his movies. He's an indie filmmaker who makes quieter movies, more contemplative movies. And this one in particular, and I'm a big Jarmusch fan in general, uh, but Patterson is a film where it it examines a writer. It examines a a a a, a, a poet, uh, more specifically, where Adam Driver's character he he plays a a man who is a bus driver during the day, and he has a routine which we see repeated throughout the week, and he you know he he uses that as inspiration to to write poetry, and that's beautiful in its own way. And the film has a has a very assured way of showing us everything that goes on. And I can certainly understand why not why there could be some people that don't respond in the same way. Certainly, people that aren't familiar with Jarmusch's style, but just those that are you know want to see more than repetition. But I think what that lends something to the film that makes it special for me, where you you see little touches, little subtleties, and things that make up what this person's life is and make him basically satisfied with what's going on in his life. There's obviously a drive to do more, as far as what he can do with this poetry. It's not like he's going to, you know, it's not like there's, there's not like a big like poetry competition. He's trying to enter at the end or something like that. But as far as being as expressive as he is, it's, it's neat to see just a week in this guy's life 
and what he's going through, what it what it what it is to be this man, what it is to be to see him interact with his wife, uh, to see him interact mm. with the the day to day people that he meets on the or not that he meets that he observes on the bus. There's a lot of observation in this film, which once again fuels his poetry to an extent. Um, the town of Patterson that the character Patterson drives the bus through. It's just a random town in New Jersey. It's not the most like amazing town in the world. It does have it's the site of the the Patterson Falls, these waterfalls that he sometimes you know goes to observe and what have you. But there's mm. there's so much little nuance and little little things in here. It's also very funny. I should mention that as well. There's, I mean, it's not like laugh out loud. Oh my god, can't stop laughing. But there's a lot of little <laughs> subtle touches of humor, and within it all, Adam Driver I think is fantastic in this movie. I think there's as an actor, I've I've liked seeing Adam Driver in various things and. But what I've certainly you know seen the most of is that he has a very there's a way he uses rage and uh, kind of outwardly outwardly expresses himself that comes up in certain you know some of his films where he's more kind of broad not not necessarily broad more more loud yes <laughs> and here is such a it's such a different way to go about it he's a very quiet character and as I said very contemplative and very introverted and very <laughs> very observant and it, it's neat to see an actor like that go from kind of one side of the spectrum to uh, the complete opposite but some but he works perfectly and he, he even he looks like a jarmusch film character i mean you, you know what adam driver looks like he's he's tall and he's he's not you know quote unquote traditionally handsome he's he's a very kind of he's a character <laughs> as, as, as far as a person goes and it's seeing him take the reins in the film like this in the same way that you'd see someone like i don't know buscemi or Bill Murray, who are people, you know, who's been in other, who's led other Jarmusch films, you know, those are their guys that they don't stand out for their movie star good looks. They stand out for other reasons. And I mean, it, Adam Driver, I think is this is a great, you know, among the other things he's done to kind of provide a calling card as to the talent this person has. I think this is another example, which is why he's won a lot of praise for his performance here. And the film as a whole, I don't proclaim myself to be some great poet or whatnot, but this is a film about, you know, the process of writing to an extent and what it means to take in so much and kind of express it in their own way and i that that got to me and it's a film that i haven't stopped thinking about i think it's it's very well made it's very it's well shot for its minimalist style it has a great soundtrack which i'm quite happy with which is not the most you know expressive compared to the other films we've talked about here but i think there's just there's a lot in patterson that i it makes me happy to kind of put this film right at the top here it's not it, it's a film for me just that worked in all, on all levels, even with it, you know, it's deliberate pacing, what have you, and the very similar, familiar style when it comes to Jarmusch films, it, it that works for me, and it worked for me very much here. Nice. How long is the movie? I think just under two hours, maybe. Okay. Right, let me see. Just curious. Let's see here. Hour 53. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and that was just released like a few weeks ago, right? It got, yeah, it got, okay. yeah, it came, yes, it came out like the 20. 8th or whatever like the last friday or yeah it was wednesday the 28th when it yeah so okay. it's <laughs> films don't make much money so it's like yeah like, it's yeah. understandable but i mean i was just got, curious like how widespread it is yeah it's got it's so that people slowly, can go check it out slowly spreading and it's it's gotten jarmusch some of the best reviews of his career which uh so that's that hopefully bodes well for it's it's not like he makes expensive movies either so it's not like he's going to break the bank or something like that by either not making a hit or making a hit. He's not going he's not going to be tapped for the the Blade Runner sequel after 2049. Yeah, yeah, he's not making 20 Blade Runner 2051. Yeah. Um, but, um... <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that uh, you really enjoyed it. And it seems like uh, it's contemplative on many levels. Uh, Have you uh, recommended it to a lot of people? I've tried to. It's just I know it, it's not been around until just recently, so it's been hard to be like, right. man, guys, go see Patterson. But it's certainly one so that I, I, I have. I have seen it. You may know that I've seen it because yeah. I, I 
check. And I, I was I'm probably one of the people that is a little bit less enamored by it. I and I think the thing that I I'm not crazy about it is probably what you do love about it is it's just the fact that there was just not enough dramatic something you know to it and I, I I'm tr I kind of get it like I read your review on it after I saw the film and it, I do I get why you like it so it, it helped in me understanding it but yeah I, it, I just I, I didn't embrace I mean for you to put it at number one is is obviously if you had said oh honorable mention or something then I would be like oh okay well then I wouldn't even need to address it but you're you have it at number one which <laughs> means you know this is better than loving and and manchester by the sea and and uh, you know la la land and everything and it's just i just there's not enough dramatic stuff in it i mean and i i get you 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 acknowledge that you you just like the little idiosyncrasies of life i guess yeah it's hard for me to like yeah embrace it mark did I, you find this like boring or something i haven't seen it i mean i i, I really try not to use that word uh right. but I wouldn't – boring is maybe – I mean, if I was just going to like dismiss it or something, I might say boring. But it, it wasn't boring. I mean I was interested. I think part of the thing is the movie had – like there's really – I don't want to give – I mean I don't know if it's even possible to give away the <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> yeah. But the really the only dramatic conflict in the entire movie has to do with the dog mm -hmm. and something that it does. One and, of the best dog performances of the year. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's a. Those are very expressive dogs. There are, and there are little moments in the movie. Uh, one of them happens in the bar, and uh, one of the patrons does something that you know you think, oh my gosh, this could have really, this could have turned into something, you know, horrible. Hmm. And then it's sort of like, oh, it's just this is nothing. This was just. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't think I can give, a, you I'll know, give it away. Uh, but there's a lot of that. I mean, I mean, and I, I'm, sh I, I get, like, that's, you like that, that that's why you, you, if it had turned into something horrible, then it would have been a different kind of a movie. Yeah. But it's just there wasn't enough there for me when I was watching. And you know, it's like Monday, Tuesday, third, you know, and his wife has sort of this OCD, I guess. She like paints everything black and white, and she's quirky. She's not which OCD. The, she just the actress, she likes the a actress. Style. I love her because she was in About Ellie. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see that she's getting more work. Um, so that's good. It, it had little touches and quirks and things that I found interesting, but it 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 definitely you know, and I, I see it. It's appearing on on top ten lists and stuff. Uh, and I, it's a little bit like I don't get it, but you know, that's it's sure. a I respect the choice. It's definitely a, a it, it's definitely an interesting film. I hear you. I know what you're saying. <laughs> um, it's easier for me to explain why Mad Max Fury Road is my favorite movie last year than it is right, to right, right. Patterson's that's favorite movie this year. It's just it's one's, one's more yeah. one's more obvious. Well, see, and that's, I mean, it also I mean, helps that Mad Max Fury Road is one of the best movies ever. But I mean, that's yeah, I mean, I mean, you also preface <laughs> Patterson with like, hey, my, my number of movies have made like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, so that's understandable. That I mean, no, but and I like the fact that one year you picked Mad Max and this year you picked like almost the complete opposite of that. It's it's you know something with almost no drama, and so that's interesting. But I mean, I guess it has, so, it has so, drama. But. So. So, Mark, could you ever see yourself, like, recommending this? To, so, like, I don't know where to well, go see, with this movie. The reason yeah. why I would recommend it. I'd like to think it that if it's my number one movie, you'd be somewhat curious. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very curious. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Jar, uh, Jarmusch. I could, I, you know. but Right. And it, and it is a Jar, Jim Jarmusch film. So, yes. he, it, yeah. His I'll fans, be. I think, yeah. would enjoy it. I'm probably, I'm not a huge fan of Jim Jarmusch. So, okay. that, that wouldn't help. Yeah. <laughs> 
it doesn't have you know Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton bribing you to like it this time around like like his last movie did. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be interested to see. I I mean I, I could imagine that uh, you might like it, Marcus. Okay. I I think Abe maybe I I think Marcus would like I would be willing to bet that Marcus would like it more than Abe based on okay. what I think. But, yeah. Well, now I'm gonna see it and I'll give you my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. A, it's always nice when people actually see the movies that are on my yeah. top ten list. Yeah, you have it at number one, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there's certain ones that have been on my top ten list that I know none of you guys have seen yet. <laughs> well, we did it. We did our, our top ten of 2016. We did. We did Woo-hoo! do that. That is a that thing great. that happened. Yeah. Um, and we, like what we said in the beginning, kind of varied lists. Yeah. So. <laughs> we For sure. And I know there's more that we can still talk about. You guys want to go over some honorable mentions here? Yeah, just very quickly, just shout them out. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I I have a ranked 10, 30 through 11, so I, I know what I have. But, hey, what are, what are oh your my gosh, yeah. Hey, why don't you go for it? Uh, in no particular order, Jackie, I in the Sky, Arrival, Moana, Barbershop Next Cut, Zootopia, uh, Kung Fu Panda 3, Finding Dory, uh, Sing Street, and Deadpool. I love hearing Barbershop uh, the Next Cut, by the way. I, I thought that think... was solid writing. <laughs> that, I, I almost put that because I, I heard like, that was... I had a yeah. shout out list also, like just movies I think just should get like more respect. Um, because that, not even that, kidding, that's like some of like the realest writing I've, I've seen. Quite, like in a year yeah. that's given us a lot of movies that have kind of timely found their way into themes of last year. That's one yeah. that certainly does it. I think it does it well. It's like a light. It's like if you watch Chirac and you're like, I could use something lighter to chase that with. That's a good one to go for. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Marcus, how about you? Where's some honorable mentions? Um, I would put like. I, the Jungle Book, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Sing Street would get in there. Zootopia would get in there. American Honey, I just saw it. That, that would get in there, too. American Honey is the kind of film that makes me upset that Shia LaBeouf has done such horrible things in his public life because he's really good <laughs> yes. in that movie. So... <laughs> Mark, what are some of your – to get off of this subject, what are your, what are your, some of your <laughs> moments? So, so this, is, this is actually my 11 through 20. So in order, Lion, Hell or High Water, Moana – Hacksaw Ridge, Eye in the Sky, The Witch, Queen of Kotwe, Kubo and the Two Strings, Wiener Dog, and Florence Foster Jenkins. Wiener that's Dog. Wiener Dog? That's, that's fun. That's like, <laughs> have you seen Wiener Dog, Marcus? I just that saw sounds it. Like I just saw it. <laughs> and you didn't, you didn't like it? No. There was that oh. one little segment. I know, I know, I right? And I, I usually that like, would like that. that seems, yeah, I, with the lobster on your list, I feel like you'd be just I, a game exact, for Weird Dog. <laughs> I usually like these really abstract things. It just did nothing for me. It did nothing for I don't me. Like I like that. Not, not, like, not even the intermission? No. <laughs> no, the, no, no. I, yeah, I your, didn't really your think, taste, I, I cannot predict your taste. I would have bet that you would have loved Weird Dog. Why, that's why Marcus is always welcome on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, I I like Welcome to the Dollhouse. I like uh, what was that? Happiness. I love Happiness. Happiness. Happiness is a high mark for him. Yeah. I love Happiness, but this one I just I couldn't get into it. Uh-huh. I have a. Uh, I'll try to read these quickly because I do yeah, to represent these movies because I do find them to be quite good. Um, so I'll go from. I have a top thirty as I said. So here we go. I'll, from thirty down. Uh, Queen of Cotway, The Red Turtle, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Fences, Green Room, Loving, A Monster Calls, Shin Godzilla, Hidden Figures, The Witch. Now going number twenty, uh, Captain Fantastic, Morris from America, Silence, Everybody Wants Some, Arrival, The Nice Guys, Jackie, Manchester by the Sea, Sing Street, and Hail Caesar. Nice. I liked hearing Eye in the Sky a couple times, by the way. I was, yeah, yeah I was actually, that's not I was something I've heard very much. Yeah. yeah, it's a solid movie, and I talked to my military buddy. He's like, "That's exactly how it is." Anyway, 
Uh, should we get into feedback or should yeah, we that, do? No, we'll do feedback. Let's okay. go into it. Let's feedback, do feedback. Feedback. Yeah. Feedback. So this is uh, this is going to lead us into the other conversation as well. But yeah, we have gone over our top tens. We've gone over some honorable mentions. Now we want to hear from you guys what you guys thought were. Uh, favorites and what have you so we're going to ask all these things that were found at our facebook page facebook.com slash out now podcast and uh, here we go so here's the first question what were your favorite films of 2016 uh chris writes suicide squad and london has fallen winky face ha only kidding <laughs> that got me for a second when i first that heard. was a terribly racist movie um he <laughs> he has hunt for the wilder people deadpool the girl with all the gifts and the revenant still haven't seen arrival or spotlight yet uh, Chris is in, uh, I believe, England, by the way. Oh, hmm. wait, where did did Arrival show up on on your lists? No one, no one had Arrival, I believe. On our I had it on my on my. Uh, it's own. in my yeah, it's my number sixteen. Yeah, it's that. not in my top tens, but it's it's in my shoutouts. We we can go over some of the the stats later on this. Like yeah. for example, I'm the only one that didn't have Manchester by the Sea on my list. <laughs> oh, I heard. <laughs> you mean in your top ten? Yeah, my top ten. In the top oh. ten, yeah. yeah. I think it was like in your top seventeen. It's my top. It's thirteen on the list. Oh, okay. that's, that's... I know. I, there's little quirks that I'd like to point out after we do with these lists. Uh, but let's see. <laughs> Susan Miller writes, Doctor Strange, The Accountant, Zootopia, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them, Anthropoid, just name a few. I missed out on a lot this year. Jay, a uh, friend of the show, writes, The Nice Guys, Hunt for the Wilder People, and Doctor Strange. Amy writes, The Nice Guys, Hunt for the Wilder People, Zootopia. Take into account I haven't gotten to see a ton of films this year. Uh, Richard writes, La La Land, or Hell or High Water, Kubo, and The Two Strings. And Manish writes, uh, Arrival, Jackie, Moonlight, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Jungle Book, and Lion. Nice. Next question we asked everybody was, uh, what were your least favorite films of 2016? Matthew has Batman vs. Superman, not because it was necessarily a, a morally uh, a poorly made movie uh, than anything else in 2016, but because it bored me. And a movie with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, it has no excuse to be boring. Um. Uh, <laughs> Chris <laughs> says, I have to say Suicide Squad. I waited so long to watch this film, and with such a good cast, it should have been easy to get it right. But what we got was truly awful. Also, Netflix to do over an Independence Day Resurgence. Another disappointing film I was really looking forward to. Richard has Independence Day Resurgence, Nocturnal Animals, and The Bronze. Jay has Collateral Beauty, X-Men Apocalypse, Independence Day Resurgence, and Now You See Me 2. Now you don't. (laughs) Colin, now you don't. Lastly, Manish has The Accountant, Birth of a Nation, and I'm probably alone here, but Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man. None of us uh, mentioned that as a top ten. I, I didn't actually see it, so... Oh, I I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I feel see like that's a movie that you would have raced out to see at some point. You're joking, or, right? Or it's, a, or it's a movie where you're saying that because you watch like, half of it, you stop, so you say you didn't see it, like you said earlier. Uh, so there, you know, there's several there's several movies that I think are like the most polarizing movies of 2016, and, and uh, Lobster is one, uh, Swiss Army Man is another, and then the other one is The Neon Demon. That I actually really enjoyed. I Did you so- really? I really liked it. Like, I it didn't end up in my top twenty because I feel like the story is basically nothing. But I yeah, thought it was so. That's it, true. It's so because it's just girl uh, undid by the modeling world. But I thought yeah. the style of it. First of all, it has one of the funniest or the one of the most clever lines that I've heard in the whole year when uh, her boyfriend tells her, "You want to be like them," and she says, "No, they want to be like me." I thought that was very clever. I just thought that, that, that summed up the film for me. But I also think it's vis- I thought it was just visually stunning. Oh, it is. Um, Nicholas Winding Refn does make visually is, yeah. pleasing movies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What did you guys think about the Neon Demon? Because I know it, it gets a lot of hate. I, I 
I, I'm similar with uh, Nocturnal Animals on that one, where it's like I, as far as the kind of the direction goes, I think there's a lot of great stuff in it, and you know, it's like production design. I think is pretty stellar as far as how it comes across on screen. But as far as taking anything more away from it, aside from I think what what I think are very obvious themes, it didn't do much for me. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think. Nocturnal yeah, Animals is like Neon Demon, but with a really good story. I thought Neon Demon, the 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 basically the narrative was just kind of like okay. There was a part in the movie where I was sort of like I was sort of halfway on the fence, like wait, this isn't just going to be that innocent girl is you know corrupted by the modeling world. And it's like oh yep yep that is what it is. Well, I I think it kind of goes away from that given where things go in the, in the movie. <laughs> well, she becomes successful. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. Uh, you're talking the, about the, the uh, supernatural the, the, elements. The last, oh, the last yeah. third of it, you know, it kind of negates all that because it just, oh. it, 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 it get, <laughs> she's not as involved. <laughs> I see. I, I, we haven't got back to the main thing. You didn't, so you didn't see Swiss Army Man. I did not see Swiss Army Man. No, either. not you, no, Mark. Oh. No, I have not. Because if it's the most divisive, doesn't that make you more intrigued to see if you'd like it or not like it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I will see it at some point, but I, 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 I do, I do suspect I won't like it, but. That's probably why I haven't rushed out to see it. That's fair. It's, that's another one. It's very much like the ones we just talked about, actually, where I think the themes are rather obvious, so it didn't really do much for me. But visually, it's pretty amazing. Uh, well, I've heard I've heard it summed up to me as a certain type of movie. I mean, and it like it just did not in it did not cause me to want to see. Now you cup of tea. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I just I, it yeah. is it is it is a very visual movie that works to that degree it's just as far as profound thoughts on life it didn't do much more for me than think okay well but yeah <laughs> that's fine i guess uh, all right let, well what, what okay so speaking of, now abe what, shoot what are your what are your least favorite films of the year least favorite oh man the list is uh comprehensive bbs detergent allegiant linda has fallen brothers grimsby x-men apocalypse anger birds movie money monster id4 red or independence Day resurgence uh Suicide Squad, Inferno, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, The Accountant. Uh, that's it for now. There might be more later. Did you have an overall least favorite? An overall least favorite? Yeah. Um, now that we've mentioned Linda has fallen, I mean that is that is overtly racist. We talked about it on the on the <laughs> podcast, but it is strange that it's it's like directed by uh, a Middle Eastern man, and it is incredibly incredibly racist. So but, which, which one is this? London London has, has fallen. fallen. Oh, okay. I did not see that. Like Brothers Grimsby is is a bad like terrible movie, but it, they just do ridiculously stupid things that you would expect from uh, what's his face, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. But London Has Fallen is like, what the fuck am I watching here? This is like indoctrination on on a national level. So to its credit, it is the sequel to a movie that also was fairly fairly offensive in its own way. That's true. This one is like much more though. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It increases the xenophobia yes, quite a bit. Like, quite a bit. By, by a wide so, margin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Marcus, yeah. any least favorite movies? Yeah. Um, uh, so Marcus. Oh, Marcus. sorry. Sorry. Uh, I would say Suicide Squad. I think that's going to go with his list. Um, I didn't like Nocturnal Animals. I I didn't get it. I thought it was kind of disgusting. I just didn't understand it. It seemed like real random to me. And then that ending was just, eh. mm. that would be, yeah. I, the more and more I think about it, the more kind of angry I get. <laughs> that's, that's my thoughts on one of my movies on my list. Okay. <laughs> Mark, how about you? What are, what are your least favorites here? 
so least favorite by a wide margin was High Rise. That was a, oh yeah, that's that was a, a horrible, horrible experience. Actually, uh, it it reminded me of a movie I saw back in 2008 called Blindness by oh, yeah. uh, Ferrando oh, Brothers. That's one with the yeah I, uh, yeah I, one of my worst. Yeah, who's leading actress in that movie? Julianne Moore. Julianne. Yeah, Moore, well, it yeah. has a, it has a great cast. Has oh some, yeah. It's a great director. Actors. It's just a barely bad movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if everybody feels that way, but uh, I, it was a really unpleasant experience. And then High Rise was also a, just a horrible film. It's funny, too, because people will say, well, it's beautifully filmed. Yeah, yeah, it's beautifully filmed, but it's it has makes no sense. And it has no point, <laughs> and it just wallows in just horribleness. But anyway, that's enough. I, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so High Rise was the worst, but my other, other nine are... Alice Through the Looking Glass, The Boss, Independence Day of Resurgence, Demolition, The Girl on the Train, Hail Caesar, Sausage Party, <laughs> Jason, Sausage Bourne, Party. Jason Bourne, and Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond being, being the best of the worst. I, I didn't okay, really like right. that much. Yeah, that's probably just sort of like, well, I'm making a ten. I'm making ten. <laughs> so rounds up the ten, yeah. The High Rise, Alice Through the Looking Glass, and Independence Day, those were really ones I hated. Uh followed by The Boss and Demolition. Then The Girl on the Train, Hail Caesar, J- uh, Sausage Party, and Jason Bourne were probably just uh, just like, I mean, I, I knew immediate, I knew within 30 minutes of probably all those movies that I wasn't going to enjoy it, and it just, they didn't get better. So You didn't, was, you didn't laugh during Sausage Party once? No, I didn't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, um, I got 10 here. Yeah. Uh, I, Ice Age, We Don't Need Anymore, Right Along, <laughs> Should Have Stopped at One, Zoolander, Wylander, I saw. I like the these. Lights. I like these other names that you've made up for them. The alt, alt name. I I saw the light, um, which is. That's was like that the, bad? What's that movie that about again? That's that's Tom that's Tom Hiddleston as um what's his face? Oh right, as the the drunk actor singer. As um, um Williams. Um, oh, oh Hank Williams, yeah. Hank he Williams. Did, yeah. He did High Rise too. Yeah. Wow. Well, Tom Hiddleston yeah. said it, and I didn't think the, I didn't think the Night Manager's all that great either, even though it won all those Golden Globes. I think it's kind of like, all right, I get it. After one episode, yet there's six more. Um, but whatever. But yet, Thor <laughs> Ragnarok is one of your most anticipated movies. Yeah, well, we all know Loki's great. Like, that's not a, that's not a question. Anti Kowatini, come on. That that's the one thing you know is going to be great in Thor, Loki. Like, but okay. <laughs> Uh, but no, I saw the lights. Terrible. I think it's a terrible movie. It's the kind of like biopic that expects you to ex- to like it just because it's a biopic. It's like, no, screw you. I saw the light. <laughs> uh, Brothers Grinsby, uh, Free State of Jones is the one that I hate the more I think about it. Uh, I don't hate it. The, more, <laughs> the one I get angry at the more I think about oh, it. Oh, okay, all right. Um, I don't have time to hate movies. Um, the Girl on the Train is pretty god awful. London has fallen so far. Um, the Huntsman, Winter's War <laughs> is. Oh boy, that's 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 not a good thing. That, that's mm. it's 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 bad, and of course Suicide Squad by far uh, the the worst movie of uh, last year. It, it <laughs> it's a it's a movie that doesn't reward you for actively being dumb and making sure you are aware of how dumb it is, and yet somehow just, it made just go watch Rogue One dollars. instead. It's just uh, Suicide Squad. I swear. Yeah, I've heard people try to explain explain the flaws in Suicide, and it's painful. I've heard that people watch the director's cut, and they're like, no, it still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was like, that's not what, uh, that's not how it should be. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> oh, there's honorable mentions here too, because I saw Morgan and Assassin's Creed before after I made this list. Much later. Like, oh, yeah, those are those are those are those are also awful. I need to oh. make sure to mention those. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Next, next question here. Get things brighter. That's why I did that in the middle. 
what would you say were the most underrated films of 2016? Uh, Chris writes, The Lobster, a really quirky but fun film. Uh, men, no, men... Movie that is, like, is on everyone's critics' top ten list. Again. We get we sometimes get underrated like underseen. Yeah. That so, said, I mean I can understand like like Marcus you were saying, I mean it's not a film for everybody. So I can understand if like there's yes. a lot of people around one person that thinks that it's not, you know, not good in their eyes, but you really want to champion it. Yeah. Uh, Manish right, writes a uh, denial came and went, but it's quite good. Um so yeah, uh underrated films, guys. Uh, difficult to think of, but one that that I did think of was uh, Elvis and Nixon. Um, I, I it kind of got I like, under, like I like that one quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, it kind of got like mixed reviews by the critics, but I actually thought it was really funny. I watched it on Amazon Prime streaming, and while it's it's all just made up around one photograph, I thought that they they did a solid job acting. I think that it's one of my favorite. I am number four guys is acting performances and Alex Pettifer. Alex Pettifer, but I actually think that um, Michael Shannon is taken seriously enough. Like he takes all of his roles that uh, he does a really good job as as Elvis. Oh, Michael Shannon's had a great year also between this Nocturnal Animals and both Jeff Nichols films. Um, yeah. he's, he's quite good. Um, and I agree with you. I do yeah, that's what I forgot about that one actually as far as underrated goes, but yeah, because I I do think it's it's a good farce. I think it it does its job that's what, what it is, it's yeah, always trying to farce. accomplish. Um, the one that I thought of that I've yeah, you, made, okay. made, right. made Abe hold out on until just now. <laughs> I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows is quite fun for what it's trying to do. That's I on think, my list of movies I appreciated. <laughs> I, th- I think it, as opposed to the first one, which I know you guys were much lesser on and I thought was like, whatever, it's not amazing. This I, one, I have fun. I have fun memories of seeing the first one. I, yeah, yeah, I know because we, we, we did our we did our we did we saw it together. And we did our live episode about. We saw it live in San Francisco together. <laughs> but I, I do think Out of the Shadows does everything it's supposed to do for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It has all these added added value elements. You know, having Bebop yeah. and Rocksteady, having Krang. It it is it is a live action cartoon in a way that I think works. I I thought I thought it's very surprising to me that it didn't do well, which is because the first one wasn't you know very good. <laughs> so it's like, why are we showing up for the second one? Well, this is this is what happened. You got a a, a superior sequel that now we're not going to get a third Turtles. But I don't necessarily think that a third one is going to you know break just be the best thing ever. But I certainly after seeing this one, um, I was like, well, if we go keep going in this direction, I think there's there's a lot we can gain from this one. Um, it's not like out of this world amazing, but I do think it. For a Turtles movie, this is what I want to get out of. Like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to ask for when it comes to this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that. Um, I'd also say a Birth of a Nation. I think would be underrated at this point. Um, just given the. It got a lot of hate. Yeah. Yes. I think that movie was not judged for its actual inherent merit. It's being judged on other superficial things. It certainly certainly took over a lot of the conversation. It did. So I I got one that I don't think any of you are going to agree with. Very underrated. Uh, not that I think this is the greatest film, but I thought it was very enjoyable, and I don't get the hate. X Men Apocalypse. I thought oh, that was a. God. I thought that was a fun Interesting. film. Interesting. And I, I am generally like not a big fan of the X Men franchise, but I thought that one Which was surprises fun. me when you see this movie. <laughs> like, how does this one stand out? <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not saying that this one's. Uh, there's a couple that I, I think are good, but it, it. I'm generally like I wasn't going into X Men Apocalypse really primed to see it. 
And and I walked out like thinking, oh yeah, that well that gave me what I wanted from a uh, from a superhero adaptation. It has some fun set pieces. It gave us uh, Wolverine. It it it, it throws a lot in, out no there. There's no reason for it I, to give it, us Wolverine. It's like but, let's shoehorn in Wolverine for some reason. But I there's a lot of superhero movies that throw a lot of junk at you. I mean, I think Super Superman versus Batman had, was overblown and a bloated film. And oh, definitely. I mean, this was, and and same thing. Although I don't, I didn't hate Suicide Squad as much as you guys did, but I agree, it's not a good film. This is this is fun. I mean, it's it's just it was just as fun to me as Doctor Strange or something. I mean, I I, I liked it about the same as that, which is it's fine. I'm not going to remember it two or three years from now, but it it didn't deserve the hate that it got. I, I didn't understand that. Um, another movie that I liked that no one seemed to even care about. It just sort of came and went. Um, was and it also has Michael Fassbender is a uh, light between oceans. I thought that was oh, actually yeah. I thought that was a enjoyable movie and I, I don't think it got hate but it, it sort of disappeared like it was nothing. You're right that it, yeah. Marcus, did I, you I see do like I know because uh, what Place Beyond the Pines is your number one. This is another Derek Saron France film. Did you see uh, Light Between Oceans? It, I did not. It it was it uh, local theater for like a week and then it went away. Yeah, so, very quickly hard. in and out of theaters and I saw right. the trailers and I was actually. It's very intriguing, but then when I tried to go watch it, it was like it's playing in one theater that's like 50 miles away. And I was like, "What?" So I'm with you on that one, Mark. I do, I do like my. I mean, obviously, you know, as Michael Fassbender, so I'm inclined to like it no matter what. But yeah, to say, <laughs> which I can't say about the last Michael Fender, my Michael Fassbender film you just talked about. But Assassin's still, <laughs> no. Right. Plus, ex- it's got ex- Alicia Vikander, Academy Award winner, Rachel yeah, Weisz, can... star of The Lobster. So <laughs> it's come <kept> circle. <laughs> but it, it no, made she, absolutely she's no money. Yeah, and and uh, and I don't think critics weren't really crazy about it. I think they sort of dismissed it as just sort of a sappy love story. But I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty enjoyable. And then one other movie I'm going to mention, really kind of a little film. It was called The Invitation. Are you familiar? Oh, with that's this? a great. Oh one. yeah, yeah. That's, that's on uh, my yeah. it's on my uh, it's on my top thirty. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't I did, that's I didn't catch it then. Um. Yeah. I, I thought that was really uh, enjoyable movie. I liked it. That oh, almost made my top twenty, but I, I just didn't quite make it. That fits more into that like underseen one. I think that one got pretty good yeah, reviews. Yeah, you're right because yeah. the reviews for that weren't bad. But but that uh, was uh, the invitation has one of the best shots of the ending shots of the. Oh year. yeah, great. Yes. Like, yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I, for, you know, a lot and a lot of movies don't know how to end. Sometimes you watch the whole film and you get to the ending and you're like, oh, they just kind of bungled that. You know, it's like the, no, the yeah this one the gymnast that doesn't stick the landing. But it's that, a great build. Yeah. That movie sticks the landing. Yeah, that'd be a great. And I know you like this one a lot, Mark. Uh, the gift from last year with Joe. Oh yeah, yeah, This would be a great double feature with that film, as far as like <laughs> kind of like paranoia goes and what have you. Like just yeah, that's a that's uh, a good uh, call out. And then Ten Cloverfield Lane to round out the hat trick on that one. Just, just get a lot of a lot of paranoia closed space films. Uh, but no, yeah, Invitation. That's oh, and fun. then how about Green Room? Well, that I mean, that's that's on my have yet to see list. That, you I still like Green Room? I think I got really But yeah, that, that's another one that got great reviews. I mean, it, it just it's not a so big it, film. so so if if they got great reviews, but they were in and out of theaters because they did nothing. So like I would put like Pop Star in there, but it was in and out of theaters. It didn't. I don't think it did anything, but it got. Fairly decent reviews. Yeah, yeah, it was like 81% of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, that. right, like, but it was, it was in my theaters it for just, like it, three weeks. It just tanked. It flopped, yeah, it, which is unfortunate because it's very, which is straight. Like that seems like a film that should connect. Like I can understand some of the other, like uh, was it MacGruber, like not like you know making the bank. That's an underrated like, movie. It is underrated. Yeah. <laughs> I love but that like, movie. But this one like plays into like our culture as far as how reality focused obsessed people are and whatnot. I feel like that one should have been like one that. 
and people like Andy Samberg, let alone people the like many Lonely people that Island. cameo in those films. So it's it, that was surprising right. where it's like, that's I mean, the Lonely... one that didn't connect with anybody? Lonely Island always have a have have a following. There's yeah. there's there's a lot that has been established before this movie. But can we put it in this category? I mean, it's more of just disappointing that it didn't do as well as you would have liked it to do, because it. I, then I'll put Batman and, and Superman. I could, yeah, I could see that as underrated for sure that. for you because you really that. liked it, and it's a really film it. that's gotten a lot of, uh, you know, not not the best praise. Uh, but, uh, all right, let's move on. Let's get right. uh, let's see. Uh, here's the next question. Since I, I'm not a fan of the term overrated, what films of 2016 would you say you didn't enjoy nearly as much as others seem to? And uh, Chris writes, okay, I'm about to be slammed, but the first was High Rise. Not sure if the director was a fan of Kubrick, but it didn't work for me. The other is Civil War. Yep, I can feel the dagger shooting all the way <laughs> to the UK. They just seem to be making them bigger and bigger with too many characters. So much preferring so much uh, preferring the more grittier character-centric series like Luke Cage and Daredevil. Yes, I know they'll be joining forces, and I'm still not sure how I feel about that. Uh, Tyler writes, Suicide Squad. It's such a terrible movie, but everyone around me seemed to either like it or love it. I don't know whether to question their sanity or question whether we saw the same movie or not. Uh, Brad writes, uh, Doctor Strange. It ticked all the boxes, but I'm also glad I only play matinee price. Maybe I just have origin fatigue. <laughs> uh, Matthew And Matthew writes, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It wasn't bad, but it just didn't wow me, and it seems like I'm in the minority here. So what are the movies that you guys just didn't respond to? as well as others seem to have. I'm going to get a lot of hate, maybe, but I wasn't a huge fan of Rogue One. I just didn't... It, okay. That movie didn't wow me. I I, th- I thought for two-thirds of it, I was really, like, not engaged. And then by the end, I, I guess it, it did a little bit to engage me, but it was kind of, like, too little, too late. I've heard that before. Yeah. I and mean, this one's kind of hard, because... Uh... I don't really know, but uh, thinking quickly on it, one that we had disagreement on, Aaron, was uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I think that you liked it more than I did. Yeah, but that's uh, not a movie that got like major I know, praise from everybody else. Praise, <laughs> yeah, so it it kind of got like middle of the road praise. So I don't know. I don't really. I'd have to think about that that one and get back to the listeners. I, I would I say would... Deadpool. Um, Were you not a fan? I, I wasn't not a fan of Deadpool, but like I. I feel like it's getting more. It for for me, it got more credit than I would expect for a movie that I feel could have done a lot better to play with the conventions of a comic book superhero movie, but just ends up okay. being a pretty generic comic book superhero movie that just happens to have more cursing. I, I mean, it did. It, it doesn't. And do that much makes sense. To, it doesn't do much. To, it it's like I, I seeing its screenplay get nominated for a Writers Guild Award. I'm like. The screenplay is like the most prob- problematic part for me as far as Deadpool goes. So it's like, I remember I, you I like... a really good point too of like it really only takes place in like three settings. And yeah, it, there's not much true. going on, and the, there's not much. Cl- okay, and it's and I mentioned this plenty of times, but I, like it's written by the guys that did Zombieland, and I just I don't think they're great at doing much as as far as like plot innovation. They kind of hit the same generic beats and just happen to have quirky characters that go along with it. I gotta, I gotta mull this over a bit more. I mean, obviously, well, given the amount of money that Suicide, Suicide Squad made, I'd ha- I do have to also question, like, all right, well, <laughs> something's going on here. <laughs> if everyone wants nonsense, right, bad was a movies, <laughs> for for sure. I mean, I feel like the audience, general audience feeling of that film was that it was good. I mean, critics didn't like it, but I feel like 
the consensus I, was that I've audiences still, liked for, it. For all the ones that love it, I've still yet to hear more than, well, it was fun. Like, I've yet to hear more that just, like, just really get, goes into, like, the, the inner de- inner workings of why it was such a, a, a success for them. Yeah. Beyond just, like, yeah, it was fine. Like, mm-hmm. what, shouldn't you want more than it was fine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You should. You got all these stars and great property to work with, and it was fine. Is good enough for you for them to make another one of these? That's gonna be fine again. Like, all right, mm. okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> last question we asked everybody is, uh, what films of 2017 are you are you most looking forward to? Brad writes, Charles Dance and Underworld will likely be the only bright spot that, of that movie, and I'm ready for the last Resident Evil flick to break the absurdity meter. Beyond that, the usual Marvel staples and A24 dramas should make it another top year in film. Chris writes Split, Cure for Wellness, Alien Covenant, Life, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fast Fantasy, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fast and Furious uh, Eight, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, Dunkirk, Valerian, and the City of a Thousand Planets, Kingsman Two, uh, Flatliner. They're remaking Flatliners. Yep. Uh, and Star Wars, Lego, Batman, Blade Runner. Feeling it might be a good year. Smiley face. Jason writes, Lego Batman movie, Baywatch, Spider-Man, Justice League. Uh, it's going to be better than Wonder Woman, he writes. And Star Wars. Uh, Manisha has, to name one that hasn't been said yet, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and lastly, Jenny. Uh, I don't know if Jenny's ever written in, uh, but uh, Star Wars. Smiley face. I, right. I have a question for you guys before you go into your most yeah. anticipated. Well, how excited are you for Wonder Woman and Justice League for the upcoming DC movies? Not that excited. Wonder Woman, I think I'm pretty excited for. I, I saw the I mean, trailer. I would, I, was pretty... I would expect you to be excited because the Batman ended up in your top ten. So, but I mean, for people who didn't like Suicide Squad and I didn't like. I, Suicide Squad. I'm, I'm definitely going in with an open mind, but uh, you know, I'm not expecting like anything. If it's not, if it doesn't blow me away, then I'm not going to be disappointed. Well, what are you more excited for? Between Probably Wonder two. Woman. Between those two. I'd say Wonder, yeah, Wonder Woman. I think has it. It if it's modeled in the same way as like Captain America was, because I really, because Abe and I really like Captain yeah, America, the, like fir- the, fir- the first Avenger, uh, quite a bit. Still, I think <laughs> which me, makes still, the director of a friend of the show, what, Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston. Uh, yeah, I, I think because it has that kind of the World War One aesthetic going on, that's it makes it different. Um, and I hope it's different in that you know that kind of ilk where it has a stylized setting for that time period to kind of help it along. But yeah, like Abe just said. If it's a disappointment, I'm not going to be disappointed in that. I'm just going to be like, yep, that's par for the course, it seems, for these DC movies so far, <laughs> which is a shame because, you know, it's it's not I, – I, It goes back to what you're just I, saying. I always, like, I'm I always hoping want, for it to be a bad movie. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I want every movie to be great. I don't want to, like, walk in thinking, man, I hope this is mediocre. Like, I want this to be a good movie. <laughs> but the track record is not bode well so far, and it's not like completely new people are involved beyond, you know, the director, but – you still have all the same execs involved, and they're going to make all the same choices probably because guess what worked at the box office? Those terrible movies that we just talked about. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I, but, okay, at the very – at the the least I would hope is that there's a cinematic vision that's more in line with something like Batman Superman where regardless of if I liked it or not – I did like it overall. It was just more problematic for me. Um, it's – you know, there's a vision there. There's an Artur in place – um, regardless of how much you like Zack Snyder's style, and he's doing his thing, and I'd like to hope that is it uh what's her name Patty Jenkins? I I'd like to hope that she gets to do what she wants to do with that film, as opposed to being run by a committee in the same way that Suicide Squad was, mm. and you know edited by people that make trailers and all kinds of things to make it just a bull Ugh. crappy serial. 
the worst. Justice League, I mean, I'll be, I'll be curious what Marcus has to think about Justice League, because that's a movie that's being affected by the audience response to Batman vs. Superman, where it's like, it's too dark and brooding, so let's make it funnier. And I'll be very curious if Zack Snyder as a director, and given, you know, all the notes he's surely getting from the studio and whatnot, <laughs> if he, if those, you know, make for a film that suddenly doesn't have the kind of boldness right. that BVS had. I mean, that'll be, that'll be an interesting right. step to see. If he, if he... Right. And, I, and, and the, the, isn't that what happened to, supposedly what happened to Suicide Squad? Even Exactly, if, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if, it, if it's following that line, then Wonder Woman's going to get hit, and Justice League's going to get, and they're all going to get hit. They're all going to get hit in the same way. So, so it'll be, it'll be very um, curious. That said, there's far other, more other films that I'm looking forward to than uh, 2017. Um, I could, I could make a list here. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously the Marvel stuff, <laughs> it, uh, as opposed to DC, uh, the Marvel stuff, regardless of if it. Could, if it winds up on a top ten, whatever, it's just I, I tend to enjoy those movies. I don't expect not to really enjoy them. So like those, you know, those are kind of like givens. But War for the Planet of the Apes is certainly one. Yep. Uh, Baby Baby Driver, it's the new Edgar Wright film that's coming along. I love Edgar Wright movies. I have no reason not to expect greatness from the next Edgar Wright movie. So I'm like I'm right <laughs> there for it. Um, what what is it? Uh, Star Wars, obviously. Obviously. I, I really looking forward to Kong Skull Island. I, I'm a big King Kong fan. I really like what Warner Brothers did with, with Godzilla, and this is the same kind of universe. Um, I like the the 70s idea for the setting. I like what I'm seeing in the trailers, so I, I'm really looking forward to Kong Skull Island. That's another one that I can't yeah. wait for. Quite honestly, just to name one, uh, one that I'm very curious about is Ghost in the Shell. So, just uh... <laughs> See, Ghost in the Shell and... Yeah, uh, was I, it? The, I, the, I just want to uh, know the, if the, it's going to... What's the Stephen King? The Dark Tower? That's the other one, right? Uh, is it? The Dark Tower. Is that Tower, the one with Idris Elba? With Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Oh, okay. Those movies I don't care about whatsoever. <laughs> like, I just... I just want to know what, what... Like, if it's a good movie, then all the hullabaloo is going to be about nothing, right? You know, for Ghost in the Shell. It's like... I don't know. I mean, I mean, even beyond the hullabaloo, as far as casting Scarlett Johansson, I just I wasn't that intrigued by the trailer. It's just like, all right, yeah, that's a sci-fi world that I've seen yeah. done other ways before, and just, like if it's good, great. Like, yeah, agreed. Great. Yeah. yeah. So what about Dunkirk? Dun- yeah, Dunkirk. Yeah, is yeah. Christopher, well, Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> let's let's see what happens. Yeah. I, I I did at this point. I've seen the we did when we talked about Rogue One. None of us had seen the um the, the full trailer. Yeah. yeah, well, not the trailer, just a prologue. It's oh, the prologue. You saw the prologue. The first yeah, that's right. Six minutes. Yeah, I've seen it since. On and I saw it at the IMAX and saw it. In, you know, the, the first. It's great. Like the first, like the giant IMAX screen with that movie. It and it has. I mean, the, the movie will play a different light, but it has a great ending to it. The the pro like where it stops involving uh, Tom Hardy, that. which just it's just like I can't wait to see what goes on in this movie. But it, at the same time. It's not the one I'm most excited for, just because it's like, all right, it's a World War II movie about a bunch of people doing a thing. I've seen a lot of World War movie, II movies. With all these uh, British and Irish actors that we've seen yeah. do amazing work already. I'd like to end, like, the the, ta- the taste of Hans Zimmer's score that I got in this one, also really good. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, of course, because he and Zimmer, and Zimmer get along quite well. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that I'm looking forward to in 2017. Valerian's number one. I'm another looking forward to. I, I mean, again, we talked about it, and I was like, I'm all for this. Mark, uh, Fifth Element's one of your favorite movies of all time, um, as as with me, right? So I mean, Valerian, it's got to have your attention, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Movie, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, and, and also, did anybody mention uh, Pixar's newest film, Coco? Oh yeah, I. I didn't even know that I, they had one in production. In, they got, yeah, they, they got Cars three and Coco. Yeah, Coco's their, their right. November film, and yeah, I'm. 
automatically looking forward to it because it's Pixar. I haven't seen anything beyond just like an image and some descriptions, but like yeah, like, and it's from what Lee Unkirk who did Toy Story three, of the, uh, with as far as the Pixar director stable goes, so that bodes well. Oh, cool. All right. I haven't I haven't heard about massive production problems in the same way as Good Dinosaur, so that's you or, know, that's nice. <laughs> or uh, what's the red hair princess? What brave? Brave. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No directors have changed Oof. midway through, so that also uh, that also helps. Yeah. Obviously, the fa- the the fate of the Furious. I'm automatically looking forward <laughs> Final to. Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. I mean, there's lots. There's lots of stuff. I, I uh, a cure for wellness in February. I'm a big Gore Verbinski fan, so I, I and he has a, a big original movie coming out, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that with Dane DeHaan, no less. Um, yeah. John Wick two. I mean, <laughs> yes. Let's <laughs> get that. Bored. Uh, what Jordan Peele's movie? Uh, Get Out. That horror. That oh, horror Get movie. Out. Yeah. <laughs> movie about yeah. uh, blacks in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. That, that when was, is that uh, coming out? Like a week uh, or two? February. February. Yeah. Like early February. Alien Covenant. Yeah. Alien Covenant. Yeah. R-rated, R-rated Logan. We'll see how Fox handles that one. Oh yeah, Logan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Every other year I get a good X Men movie, so that's nice, I guess. But, uh... <laughs> the other year? Okay. <laughs> um, Blade Runner. I guess by def- I'm, I'm more interested in Blade Runner because of the people involved, not because I'm like, D- damn it, I nearly need another Blade Runner movie. Well, there's but... there's a great director, and then there's one of my favorite cinematographers. Oh yeah, you got they got the Deeks, got the Villeneuves, got the yeah. Goss, got Baby Goose in there. Harrison Ford, who hated working on the first Blade Runner, is like fuck it, why not? So that seems to be intriguing, I guess. <laughs> um, what we don't know is that Sean Young's gonna make a cameo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood's right, most well liked actors. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> one, of, a... one of the blacklisted actresses. <laughs> There's uh, there's untitled films from Paul Thomas Anderson, Darren Aronofsky, and Catherine Bigelow all coming out this year, so I'm automatically all, intrigued by those. All three of those yep. And Daniel Day Lewis is back in the Paul Thomas Anderson one, so that you know he has so that's a Oscar right there. He, he has yeah. an Oscar right there <laughs> yeah. coming his way. So that's good. <laughs> um, whatever Woody Allen comes up with, I'm sure you know I'll, I'll see. He actually had I a like couple it. this year that I didn't see. Like, uh, did anyone like Cafe Society? By the way, did we? Did I didn't see that. I didn't see Mark, that. Mark, did you see it? I, I did see it. I I thought it was fine. It it, yeah. it didn't it didn't wow me. So I, it wasn't something that ended up on my my list. But it was it was fine. Jesse yeah. Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart do have good chemistry. You know they oh, yeah. they were to uh, Adventureland. They also did American Ultra. So this okay. is the third time that they've been in a film together. And I think that shows. And and I think both of their performances are good. Um, so it was it was an enjoyable film. But I, I you know there's minor. It's one of his best looking movies. Um, it, it like he went over budget on it, and you can tell because he's like he went all out with the 20s period or 30s period aesthetic with that movie. Yeah, the was it Vittorio Storaro was the cinematographer, I think. Yes, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Abe, you should be excited about this one. Uh, Felt is Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut, and interesting. He wrote, he wrote it as well. He's got that movie coming. Did he also write it? Yes, of course he wrote it. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's one. Uh, but yeah, lots of lots of a lot of good up. stuff coming out this year. All right, and and fairly soon too, because again, Kong, Kong Skull Island comes out like two months from now. The, the Lego Batman movies in like three weeks, <laughs> which I can't wait that. for. I'm not kidding. Oh. I cannot wait for the Lego Batman. I can't movies. Wait for that I, could, I could use it. That and John Wick come out on the same day, actually. So it's like my John Wick comes out in January. February. They're all February tenth. Okay. More than cool. the few. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, let's round this out with a question, apparently. Manish asked us a question. Uh, do you think Darth Vader ever thought about Jar Jar Binks? It's glad that we get the hard-hitting questions at the end of this podcast. That's I, what I like yeah. saying, guys. It's it's good to know that Manish really has this you know, waiting. Getting get our little brain cells working here. 
Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. So moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, do some of this wrap up stuff real quickly here. Um, there movie uh, out now. Presents without now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. I'm gonna read through these really quick. Uh, the Accountant. No, don't see it. <laughs> Deepwater Horizon. Underrated. I <laughs> under out to like, underseen. I would say got actually underseen. pretty good reviews. Uh, Deepwater Horizon. Uh, Birth of a Nation. The Birth of a Nation. Sorry, The Birth of a Nation. <laughs> Let's see. Homeland season five. That's actually it's a very good season of Homeland. Um, I was happy with. Uh, Mr. Robot season two. Yes. Uh, let's see, Triple X, the 15th anniversary edition. Two Guys, right? Now. <laughs> right? Good job, right? Vin Diesel. Ready? Ready? Yeah? More nope. Triple X? <laughs> Is it uh, like Triple X 5 coming out next week? Yeah, now? exactly. <laughs> you have not been exhausted by the Triple X franchise, Marcus, because you barely even heard about the Triple X franchise. There's only, it's only the, the second one with Vin Diesel. <laughs> but, uh, oh. It's a movie that you forgot about happened until Vin Diesel's like, hey, I'm going to revive this franchise again, guys. How many times can he jump out of a plane and twirl around? That's the questionable answer. That's the questionable answer. Skis or something. Uh, let's see. The, the People versus Fritz Bauer? I saw this movie. It has a good second half. Um, let's see. Kevin Hart, What Now? Uh, Marcus's Mark's favorite release of last year that he forgot to mention. Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. Max Steel, because that was a thing. Let's see. On Criterion this week, His Girl Friday and The 400 Blows. Get your classics mm. on. And uh, lastly, I got really excited about this one because I love this movie. It's finally on Blu-ray. The Triplets of Belleville. Oh, I yeah. The Triplets of Belleville. Nice. That is a fantastic animated film. That's on Criterion or Blu-ray? No, it's just on Blu-ray this week. But it's, okay. uh, it's a great, it's, I mean, I like seeing movies that look good. <laughs> and uh, it's a movie that will look good on Blu-ray of all the colors and the sound and everything. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, extremely cool. Uh, these are movies that are now on Netflix that I can uh, put out there. Uh, let's see. Miss Sharon Jones is now on Netflix. Under the Shadow, uh, which is a, a foreign film that I've heard a lot of good things about. Oh, yes, uh, I saw that. I did see that. Yeah, I you did saw that see one? that. Yeah, yeah where they're, he's, uh, they're haunted by uh, I forget what they do. What they there's, like a, there's like a, like the a ghost, but they call it like cer- a certain thing. Eh, um, it's good. It's good. Cool. It's interesting. I want to I want to check it out. Uh, let's see, Jim Gaffigan, Cinco. It's a new uh, stand-up special. I'm watching that. Big yeah. fan of him. Yeah. Uh, let's see, there's a multicam uh, sitcom called One Day at a Time with uh, Rita Moreno. Um, it's a remake of a, like a, a 70s sitcom, and uh, I want to check this one out. I know Anna and I wanted to, were curious about this one, but I've heard good things, and I'm interested in, based off what it's trying to do. And uh, lastly, one of Mark's favorite releases of last year, Alice with the Looking Glass, is also now a Netflix instance, so be sure to catch up on that one immediately. Don't just take my word for it. <laughs> it ended up on a lot of critics' least favorites. Um, and let's see. Next week. Next week's show. We just did our top ten, so what are we doing next week? Well, let's see. Monster Trucks comes out next week, which oh. I did see. Um, I and that, that is certainly a movie, but I don't think we're going to talk in full about that one. So how, how, uh, did the, how, did the, how did that thing not tangle its tentacles in the axle? Marcus, it's actually pretty clever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I, there's a good amount of logic that goes into monster trucks um but yeah uh what else but uh let's see uh live by night and patriot's day go wide uh next week um so those are possibilities but abe we should we can talk about this more i honestly would like to talk about about silence martin scorsese's film I think yeah i'll see if i can check discussion. it out i think that'd be a better discussion um among the, the multiple releases that uh go wider um in the in the next week um 
But yeah, the last thing we do here, what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next? So uh, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, Marcus. I have Manchester by the Sea still out there. It is? I would go check it out. I, uh, I loved it, obviously. What are you seeing next? Um, jeez, maybe Monster Trucks now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do with my next weekend, but, you know. <laughs> I, get, I don't know. What, what comes out next week? Lots of stuff. <laughs> silence. If silence we gotta, is playing we around me, wind this thing down. Silence, I don't have time to go over. What's coming out? Playing around me, I'll go see silence. Okay. Mark Hoban, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Probably say La La Land because that's my number one and it's still playing in theaters. What do you see next? Uh, you know, I, the only thing I can think of that's coming up, but it's not this week. It's next week. Is The Founder, which is uh, Michael Keaton as uh, Ray Kroc. Uh, the founder of McDonald's. I've, I'm interested in seeing that. Abe? Uh, yeah, I'd also recommend Manchester by the Sea and La La Land, you know, a lot of number one films. Uh, what I'm going to see next is probably, I'll try and find Silence and maybe Patterson. You, you're curious about that now. <laughs> glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that my number one film has interested yeah. you in some way. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, if the, there's a lots of stuff out. I was very glad to see Hidden Figures made a lot of money this weekend, so I would definitely recommend Hidden Figures. Oh uh, yeah, and that too. I gotta see that. Uh, Lions out in more theaters now, which I'd recommend as well. And a Monster Calls. I think there's a lot of. Uh, in addition to the other, you know, awardsy stuff, I think those are three that I'd really like more people to see. And uh, what I'm seeing next, I am seeing The Founder uh, this week. Actually, I'm seeing Ray Ray Kroc tomorrow. Um, the Founder, and I'm also might be seeing uh, I am I am not your Negro. Uh, this week, which I really oh, want to I've see, Oh, I've seen too. that. Yeah, that's one I really want to catch up on, the documentary. Uh, so, yeah. And um, with all of that said, that's going to do it for this lengthy top 10 of 2016 episode for Out Now, Third and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. All my lists that I've written um, in the past few weeks are over there for the my year-end wrap-up. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, at Aaron's Abe? You can follow me over at Instagram at Oakley Doakley and Twitter.com slash Wallace Moose. Hashtag Top 10 2016. Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, MoviesMarcus.com and follow me on Twitter at MoviesMarcus. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me at FastFilmReviews.com and then you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. You can find all the other episodes about now out there in a over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom. Listen to us over at uh, HHWLOD, Podomatic, and SoundCloud. Feel free to email us your top 10 lists of 2016, any other thoughts you may have had on what we talked about this week, and whatever else at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can write us your top 10 lists over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, feel free to te- give us all the all those classic Patterson gifts I know that are coming over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> I can't wait to see Adam Driver sitting. Okay. (laughs) Marcus, Mark, thank you for joining us for the past three and a half hours to record this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a short podcast. I was kind of. Very short. (laughs) Super brief. All good for me to edit. Next time we'll have to get together and really have a chat. (laughs) This was was shorter than the the extended version of Batman vs. Superman. Boom! But yeah, no, this is great fun, guys. It's great yeah, to do thank this, you both uh, for being on, and uh, it's always great to hear your 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 views on the top ten and also just 2016 in general. I or any year in general. 
it's it's a, also thanks to all the uh, all the guests that provided their own recordings of their That's top true. tens, um, and of course all of our guests that have you know joined us throughout 2016 to talk about the various movies we have. We'll be sure to have most, if not all, of them back again this year, as well as you guys, of course, and maybe some new guests because we're always uh, happy to you know mix up the out now show and get on fun guests to talk about the movies with us. This is um, true. So that concludes this season about now. <laughs> I didn't know that we had seasons, but okay. Well, we are now because I'm about to shoot one of our guests, and the cliffhanger ending will be who comes back next week. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, that's uh, it's been fun. It's been fun doing the show. It's been fun doing the show for you know all of 2016. We'll be happy to go on into 2017 and talk right. about all the movies that are coming out this year. So yeah, oh, hey, I wanted to say thank you for not having games this week. Oh no, we're doing that right now. Actually, now the surprise games as we <laughs> win eventually. It's all nocturnal <laughs> animal trivia. Hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, no, that that's gonna do it. That's gonna do it for this episode. So until next time, so long and au revoir or goodbye. Guys, it's lobster night. Let's go. Let's watch the lobster. <laughs> you, it's lobster. You and Marcus would love that. Yeah. Uh, more in depth, uh, I think that Kenneth Lagerman, Lager, Lagernin, Lonergan. Sorry, Lonergan. He's like turning to the brownie man. You made it uh, to Kenneth the Lonergan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Lonergan. Lon- Lon- God damn it. <laughs> Kenneth Lonergan.